at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Editor's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Sip Pop Editor, Robert. What if I started one of these episodes by saying, it's time to get back to the writer's room? What would you do? Oh, that, you just even mentioning that hurt my brain. <laughs> I, I was like really expecting a great dictator quote. And I, I could think of like four or five different ones that would have worked that would have been hilarious. But You know, I haven't done that in a while and I've forgot about it and I stopped paying attention. Just like talking about uh, Prisoner of Azkaban and Nick, like I forgot it once or mm. twice and now mm. it's just out of my mind. But you haven't forgot about mentioning Lord of the Rings every episode. That's more inadvertent. It's just kind of something <laughs> that happens with me. Fair. Uh, and uh, I'm also joined by Sif Pop contributor Joseph. Note, any similarities between Aaron the Sift father and Aaron, but not that Aaron, are purely coincidental. That's great. <laughs> That's a good one. Robert, you should have done that. <laughs> um, I was actually afraid he was going to steal my line. <laughs> no, I thought... <laughs> I, I thought he was going to say something that was like really bad out of context. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm, I'm not going to go easy on you on the roaster collection now. Fine. Um, you're still coming up with stuff for that? Well, you gave me an idea before we started recording. Okay. Uh, well, we write for SipPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other interesting movie-related articles. Make sure to check out our website, SipPop.com, to keep up with all that. Joseph does our monthly out-of-market series, um, so always has a foreign film to talk about. Um, uh, and... Uh, yeah, um, on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about a couple movies coming out this week, um, three specifically, and then we'll talk about uh, whether or not The Great Dictator is a goat. Uh, after that, we'll explore the B-plot. We're going to kind of try to plan out the next uh, six months, um, so the July through December schedule. We're going to give some options and throw them up in a Twitter poll, and um, we're going to get that all set up. Um, but first, let's get a chance to know our writers. This uh, Robert and Joseph. I thought this would be a fun question. Um, I was thinking about this because Chaplin is uh, is is a director and star of his films, and I, I, he gets writing credit on his stuff too. Um, I was thinking about like auteur directors recently, you know, um, and I, I for some reason I was thinking about it with specifically M Night Shyamalan. I can't remember the context, but I I was trying to think is this person a better writer or director? And I think we did something similar on on one of the B plots where I said you have to take a writer director. And a specific film they've done, and you have to like assign a new either screenwriter or director. So you have to let's stick with Shyamalan for example. You have to take let's say Signs, right? And Shyamalan still gets to either write or direct, but you have to have somebody else. Do. I feel like we did something like that, but I thought this yeah, would be I a think fun, we did that. yeah, uh, like a like a real quick like ten or so names. Um, are they a better writer or director? Some of them are also like stars in their films, and if you want to throw that in there as well, that's fine. But I would like to stick with just writer director, um, especially because a lot of times these people that are in their films, they're in a very minor role. Um, or like I have one on here that's got their career started as an actor now as a writer and director as well as actor. So let's start with that person. Uh, ben Affleck, better writer, better okay. writer or director. I thought you were going to say John Krasinski and I was going to say neither. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, ben Affleck, better writer. I feel like you have director. to have more than one movie under your belt to, to yeah. qualify for this. Oh, he does, is, actually. This is a tough but, yeah. one. Quiet Place 1 Honestly. and 2? Uh, he did direct both of those, but he had one before Quiet Place. Okay. But my answer for Ben Affleck is director. Um, just, yeah. I don't know, the writing on air specifically, I'm thinking about that because it just came out. It's fine and it's whatever i thought the movie as a whole was fine and whatever yeah um 
but it's the it's the direction that makes it kinetic and and fast paced and enjoyable to watch at any level. Same thing, excuse me, especially with Argo. You know, yeah. scene that everyone talks about. Um, you can write like, hey, there's a standoff here at the uh, immigration or whatever it's called. But the way that he directs the tension and, and makes that so uh, tense and and exciting and nerve wracking. Yeah, it's, it's just it's direction for Ben Affleck, in my opinion. I agree. My example is going to be the town, though. Yeah, I definitely have to say that it's definitely more director than writer. Sure. Um, what about Damien Chazelle? Better writer or director? <laughs> um, probably director also, though I think the writing is much more important to his movies than it is to Ben Affleck. Sure, um, absolutely. I'd agree with that. Because I'm thinking like like a movie like Whiplash, right? Like even if it's still Damien Chazelle's screenplay, like there's a chance that it just doesn't work with a different director. Yeah. Right? Like direction is more important in that movie. And I would say probably even the same for La La Land. Right. I'm La La Land was what I had in mind when I said writing was important because the writing comes from his love of Hollywood and everything yes. that he's referencing. Um, yeah. But that one, you know, that's a capital D directed movie. So... The same th- same thing goes for Babylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's, while we're going through this, I'm just like pulling their filmography up just so I can remind myself of what they've written and directed on. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to agree direction very much with him for sure. Not saying he's a bad writer because La La Land is the perfect example of a fantastic film of his. Mm-hmm. But when it looks like the ones he's only written on compared to the ones, to the one film he's only directed on, yeah. at, at least in my opinion, I hold first man in higher regard than 10 Cloverfield Lane. Although to be fair, that's also because first man is more my speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, that's, it's significantly closer margin than, uh, than Affleck, but yeah, I oh, think 100%. both of them are equally important, but, the, but that's, that's what this is meant to be. Uh, let's go with maybe somebody a little bit older. Let's go with uh, Stanley Kubrick, better writer or director. Oh, director. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say writer for this one. Uh, I, man, I haven't seen a Kubrick movie in a long time, but I don't know. Did he did he write The Shining? Did he write and direct all? I mean, it's adapted screenplay. Yeah, but like, was it him who did it? Um, I think so. I'm pulling it up right now. To be totally Uh, honest, I googled auteur directors, and uh, um, he wrote and directed The Shining. Yeah, he co-wrote The Shining. So I don't know. You're. I keep saying director, and it's not like an intentional thing, but you're picking writer directors who are like very direct like capital d directors to use that term again sure um i'm like just thinking about eyes wide shut or the shining mm-hmm. or clockwork or you know uh 2001 you could be you i don't i haven't read any of these screenplays to be frank but just like i'm trying to imagine what the end of 2001 would have been in the screenplay versus how it's rendered through the direction so Good i would point. have to go directing also yeah, yeah i'm my- also thinking of like the one film i see on here that he did not write that i've seen uh, spartacus mm-hmm and he does a great job in directing that movie. So I just, even though his screenplays are key to his movies being great, it's not the deciding factor in a way. I think I, I've the the example that popped into my mind was Doctor Strangelove, oddly enough, because it feels like anybody could have directed that movie. Um, but uh, that one is a yeah, because that one I don't think anybody could have directed that. But I think that one is more in its screenplay and its satire because sure. it it's a because of how he mixes genres with his movies. You know, that's his one straight up comedy versus like the horror of uh, The Shining or the... Well, and I was even thinking like Full Metal Jacket is a, is a more impressive screenplay than it is a directorial feature. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, 
I would say like like there are some like I'm not I'm not trying to say he's bad at all. I'm just I'm, I'm just saying like I think this that's the first one I would go screenwriter for, um, which is not taken away from the director at all. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Making um, Vincent D'Onofrio so creepy is. I'm not saying like it's difficult to do, but like the way he does it so so intently is an impressive sure. directorial feat. Uh, well, how about the aforementioned M Night Shyamalan? Um, <laughs> Can I just say no? <laughs> you, you chose my Krasinski. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say director only because he's kind of a mediocre screenwriter. Like I don't know. Like uh, the problems I have with this movie aren't in direction typically. Like it's it's in like oh this took a really weird turn and I didn't like that. Like. Uh, or like this, this scene is really clunky, you know, like uh, like we talked about signs a couple of weeks ago and like the scene where he's acting in it is it's so clunky. Um, so I'd say better director. He's probably a better director, too. But I also think he's an underrated writer because I don't I don't think he's a bad writer. Um, I think a lot of the, he, he has a couple bad movies, but I think yes. a lot of the writing that people uh, like to pick on is sometimes intentionally goofy. Um, sure. Like the people, the thing people are citing recently on Twitter is that he named a character an old mid mid-sized sedan. Like that, that's yeah. not bad rating. That's, that's intentional. You know what I mean? I love, I love it. So yeah, no, um, yeah, and it's and it's one of those weird things too, where you can look and like you can see greatness. Like Unbreakable is a really well written film. Mm-hmm. So, um, what about Christopher Nolan? Better writer or director? I was about to say I didn't oh, get a chance to really comment oh. much on. Uh, oh, go ahead. M Night. You said no. Uh, I did say no, but I'm also trying to recover from the fact that I just pulled up his filmography and he wrote on Stuart Little. Yeah, <laughs> just true. That that breaks my brain. You'll but, find those like Noah Baumbach writing. Uh, madagascar europe's most wanted <laughs> <It's> like, yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah no he's definitely a hard one to kind of guess get on there because the fact that when the movies are bad you don't really know if it's just writing or it's directing that caused it but i'm gonna say he's probably a somewhat better director than he is writer because i feel like when the scenes that are there you do see at least where he's trying to go from sure yeah, yeah. um so christopher nolan Easily director. Yeah. I, sometimes he's a bad writer. Yeah. And he's one of my favorites, but like he relies so heavily on exposition. And it's just like those, those things that people like to ape of just like characters walking in different locations, having the same, <laughs> the same conversation. It's just like, uh, that's not the best, but I landed on director for this as well. And the movie that really sold me on it was Dunkirk. Um, cause Dunkirk is a really well-written film, but like mm-hmm. the direction makes that movie. Um, but like I, w- I was really struggling because like the screenplay for the prestige, I haven't read the screenplay, but like, you know, the, the way that that movie works and is, is kind of framed and paced and exposited or whatever. I mean, that's an adapted work though. Um, I just have to say like, if, if one day you're like after Oppenheimer, if his next movie, <clears throat> excuse me, man, I'm sorry. If his next movie comes out and it's like, or is announced and it's like Christopher Nolan is directing a movie from XYZ's screenplay. Or would you be more excited if you heard that? Or if like this person is directing a new screenplay from Christopher Nolan, it's like you would, you would definitely. That's a, prefer that's the a one really good way to think of, of this question. Yeah. 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 But like, I think about like, you know, he wrote, he took eight years to write inception and like inception is, is, is great in both regards, but yeah, like it's, it's not always exclusive. And yeah, like interstellar is a better directorial feat than screenplay. It's, great in both but yeah director's right and especially if you phrase it that way yes christopher nolan has directed the directing the newest screenplay from i don't know somebody that writes and doesn't direct what's the what's the guy that mark bowl the guy that did zero dark 30 and hurt locker mm-hmm. yeah i'm way exci- i'm way more excited about that um and i think um, like with tenant like he wrote i think the writing on that is 
still above Terrible. average, but I do think that the they said directing, words intended. <laughs> I, I do think that the directing far outpaces the screenplay on that one. That's a good example. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about uh, Scorsese? Ooh. I, I don't want to just be boring and say director for everyone. Yeah, but no, that's fine. That's, I, look, I've got a couple that I'm, I'm really struggling with. Because some of my most favorite Scorsese movies are like written by Paul Schrader. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, yeah. So it's... it's And he doesn't write all of his movies like... Uh, or most of his movies like some of the other people that you I wanted mentioned. I wanted to give this example real quick because I feel like now we're entering a new tier after we, after we finish the Scorsese conversation. Because I feel like the rest of these are a lot more evenly split and i feel like a lot of these i will go i will go writer on but right um and you're right scorsese's best works have schrader attached to them not scorsese Um, like for for one example yeah 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 i mean looking at it he's directed far more films than he's written and some Mm -hmm. of the films he's only directed like taxi driver he didn't write and how can you argue taxi driver is not one of his greatest films Yep. I don't know. Like, I didn't really <laughs> like it when I first saw it. Um, you can't, you, it's hard to argue that it's not a good one. Uh, I didn't really like it when I first saw it. But no, it's, it's it's on my list to see again because I think I'll have a different opinion. I don't know. Um, what about Hitchcock? Um, I honestly don't know if I've seen enough. To The same thing with like knowing which ones he wrote and which ones he directed to make a judgment. Mm. But he's also no, that's tough. known as the greatest director of all time. So it's yeah. it's at least the greatest American director. It's almost yeah. consensus that that's true at this. So yeah, that, that's a good point. I don't. I, I guess I don't know which of his are entirely like. I don't know if he had a screenplay writing credit on North by Northwest. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Tarantino. Now, I'm going writer. Here's for... an interesting one. Finally, <laughs> I'm no, going writer. Yeah, I didn't mean that, to. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I actually just watched From Dusk Till Dawn yesterday for uh-huh. the first time. Um, I love From Dusk Till Dawn. I did in the first half. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> I did not know what it was going to turn into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was such a weird experience, that first watch. It was. Yeah, the first half is far superior, but the second half is kind of still really fun. <laughs> it's fun, but not as great. But I'm like thinking of that in True Romance, which you can still feel the mm-hmm. Tarantino effect, but it's really heightened in, you know, in his early works like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. This one is definitely the closest yet but since he's such a iconic visual director especially with his violence i would lean director even though writer is very close i i'm I'm thinking back to your question still of of you know when when it was announced tarantino's doing a star trek film but he's not going to direct it yeah absolutely i mean Mm -hmm. or no he was going to direct it but not write it one of yeah he He was was going to direct direct. i don't know if he's going to write it um i'm more excited about you know, because because he said he's only doing like I think this next film is going to be his last, the the critic, and yeah. uh, uh, but like, do you think he'll still do screenplays and pass them off to a director? Like, he I'm sure he wants will. to do novels. Yeah, I think it? he wants to do novels, right? But like, yeah. Yeah. what do you are you more excited? Would you be more excited for Quentin Tarantino is directing a screenplay by or somebody's direct? It's so weird though because like I don't know how many people could direct the Tarantino screenplay like with and it still feel authentic right. but i don't know like like it still feel their own right like at that point you're just trying to mimic and copy and like especially like true when true romance came out tarantino had done like two and a half movies and barely started to find his voice you know yeah and it still feels like a tarantino movie in a lot of ways because of the the writing yeah that that's a hard one to nail down exactly what he's better at i'm gonna kind of lean writer because the fact that there's from dust from dust till dawn and true romance that he wrote mm-hmm. but didn't direct. I'm not gonna say he didn't 
wouldn't have made the movies better if he directed them as well, but he definitely had a big part in the screenplay in itself. Oh, I think From Dust Till Dawn would have been worse if he directed it. I think Robert Rodriguez is a great choice for that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially and with that's the, the second thing. half of the film. Yeah. Right. Um, that's the thing. If you feel like on a case where they actually did write it but not directed it, if somebody else directing it made it better than they would have done, then yeah, no, you got to go with the writer at that point. How about how about just once Tarantino's done making films, he can write films for Robert Rodriguez to make. I'll be good with that. I'm for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, I'm I'm gonna defer. I don't I don't think I've seen enough PTA to know this one, or it, it definitely recently. So I'm I'm not gonna answer. This, but I knew this one would be tough. Okay, give me one second. Yeah, I'm pulling this filmography. Too. Phantom Thread. There will be blood. Um, what else has he done? Isn't there like a way to find on like Wikipedia where it says where he wrote and directed? Um, like... Click filmography. Yeah, and filmography. That's actually what I'm using. Oh, here it is. Um, he's wrote all of them <laughs> except okay, for yes, Valentine and Anima. Those are shorts, anyways. Oh, those are shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, in that case, you know what? Just, just to say it, just to say it, I'm gonna go with writer, even though I love him as a director. He's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm just thinking of Magnolia is the first one that came to mind um, because of all the dialogue. The dialogue can be a bit cheesy in it, but um, yeah, oh, man, but that one's also so perfectly directed. <laughs> I've because only I... seen Boogie Nights, There Will Be Blood and Licorice Pizza, and it's been a while since I've seen There Will Be Blood. And I remember being underwhelmed. Well, I'm okay. <laughs> gonna, per- I'm personally going to say better director only because I'm thinking of There Will Be Blood and I'm just thinking... How would anybody else direct that movie? And I'm having a hard time thinking of anybody who might could do better than him. Okay. Yeah, I I can't give a, a real answer because I'm looking at his other ones and I'm like, the direction <laughs> is better there. And even Magnolia, the direction. So I don't know. I love him. Um, he might be a case of where you can't have him not write and not direct the movie. Yeah. Um, I think this one is equally as challenging, but what about Wes Anderson? Oh, direct director for sure he has a style and those movies are not the same without his style you're right yeah yeah <laughs> like i don't know, like but it's but he's such a good writer like his quirks that he writes in like you know but yeah. it's it's the he, writing along with the way he presents it through the direction that makes his movies so good he's a more iconic director than he is a writer yeah. but yeah. there's a trend I, I just saw going around today that like people are yep. making regular life into Wes Anderson on yep. TikTok or something. Yep, they're they're just making little tiny things, but they're direct, but they're shooting it as if it was a Wes Anderson film. Right, it's and fun. there's no dialogue in them, and they're yeah. doing it visually and with music, which is a lot of what direction is. So yeah, and yeah, he, I follow, he does it first, very much. Go ahead, Aaron. The first time I ever saw it was uh, I follow Barkus Theaters on TikTok since they're my theater chain, and they're actually kind of make some really fun stuff. But um, but they did like the CEO goes to the movies and they filmed it like in style. West. It was really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I've always noticed with Wes Anderson, at least on the movies I've seen, it feels like he likes to frame the scenes as he goes to where the thing you're paying attention to is like in the center of the screen is just being framed by something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a very unique style of his that those movies would not be the same without. I also want to say though, he is a great writer. Um, I don't, I wouldn't want to like, I, I don't think he's written anything that, he hasn't directed but like with most of his stuff honestly like minus maybe the french dispatch because that's more tone than anything but with most of his stuff um there's like deep character stuff going on and he brings it out with the direction so i don't want to discount his writing because this is a lot closer than you might think when you first hear the name was yeah, you guys were immediate like director i'm like i don't know it's that close i mean <laughs> or that, yeah, that, that i'm with robert away. here i'm with robert here that when it comes to his writing style, 
it has to go with his directing style because the fact that no, in both cases, it's not the same without it. But I feel like his direction helps make those movies go that extra step that his screenplay just prepares for it. He has quirky, jovial visuals mixed with like some of the deepest hurt you'll ever <laughs> you'll ever experience yeah. in a movie. And not, uh, I got not two, many directors can do that. I got yeah. two more. Um, Spike Lee. Oh, I haven't seen enough Ooh, Spike Lee. God. But let alone recently. It was a really tough one for me. I'm going Ryder, though. I, I wouldn't argue, but I need to just say I, my Spike Lee knowledge is heavily lacking. Yeah. I mean, mine's lacking quite a bit, too. But, I mean, just looking through. I mean, I've seen, like, a handful of his stuff. Not not as much as I should have. But um, he did Defy Bloods, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five and he Bloods, did. Says, yeah. And and do the right thing, and he mm-hmm. directed, but I don't think wrote Inside Man, um, which is a really good movie. Um, and uh, Black Klansman, he uh, wrote and directed that one. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen all of those. Um, I'm not sure if I've seen other things that he's done. Yeah, I really haven't yeah, seen I've, enough to give a real answer. I've only really seen Do the Right Thing, and that honestly makes me feel like I should say writer on it because the fact that I can see directors taking that and doing their own twists to it. But the writing of that, just the voice there is something that is lost if you give it to somebody else. Let's so let's frame this in the question Robert had earlier. Are you are you more excited for the new movie that Spike Lee is directing but didn't write or more excited for the next screenplay that Spike Lee wrote, but somebody else is directing? Nia DaCosta is, is directing Spike Lee's newest screenplay. Has he done uh, that at all? Question. Has he just written? Because that's another thing, like with Scorsese. He's, I don't know. He, he, he has directed without anything. writing. He has not written without directing. Right. So like and that's what makes it hard. So I've yeah. seen She's Gotta Have It, Do the Right Thing, He Got Game, Inside Man, and Black Klansman. Uh, because Inside Man is elevated with the direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But also the writing for the other few are so good underlying it. Yeah. So I'll leave it there. Um, all right. One more for you. I think this might be the question that breaks Robert. Peter Jackson, better writer or director? Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, you broke him. You broke him. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing is that I haven't seen the stuff that um, made him a name. So like all of his, you know, uh, B-movie horror stuff. I haven't seen any of that. Um, That's fine. You know what I'm asking. Is the Lord of the Rings better director or better written? <laughs> well, um, if you watch it behind the scenes, I really don't think he did much of the writing. Um, oh, I yeah? think he got, I think he, like, he has a screenwriting credit, but a lot of it is Philip Boyens and Fran Walsh. Um, that's why the Hobbit isn't as good. No, the Hobbit he did most of the for, writing for a lot of other reasons, which <laughs> yeah. is not worth getting into right now. But like, there, there are things in like behind the scenes where it's like, we need to change this scene up. So Walsh and Boyens would get in a room together while Peter Jackson's off doing whatever the heck else that he needs mm. to do to manage this massive production. Um, so if you're asking, is Lord of the Rings better written or directed the movie, um, I would say. Uh, in terms of Peter Jackson, I would say better directed. Because the way they I'm adapted gonna... it is beautifully also. I'm going to agree with Robert on better directed purely because the fact that he wrote on the Mortal Engines. And I refuse <laughs> to say that was a very good movie. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that. I don't, I don't have the knowledge, so I didn't know that he... I honestly didn't know that he wasn't the only screenwriter. That he... I just assumed he was the only screenwriter. I no, thought it was no. the Passion Brothers, which feels ridiculous to think that. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, especially when you think it was it was pretty much exclusively him for the Hobbits. But I think Guillermo del Toro no, co-wrote. 
was it still the three of them? Dang yeah. it. I'm just, whatever. Obviously, I'm not a Lord of the Rings. Um. <laughs> I mean, I would say, like, the problem with the Hobbit movies, in my opinion, definitely falls more on the screenplay than I think the directing. It's not to say the directing's good, though. <laughs> not to say the directing is good, but I think more of the problems fall on, like, in or the, the editing. Journey, if you cut out the whole Goblin Town part of that and just have it, like, that going on in the background and you're just focusing on Bilbo, that scene goes a lot better. <laughs> I think you can probably cut out like 80% of the whole trilogy. You're yes. not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny watching the behind the scenes of The Hobbit. Um, you can tell conversely to what you're talking about, Lord of the Rings, like he didn't have the passion for it because there's so much studio stuff going on. He didn't want to do it. Right. He didn't want to yeah. do it. Guillermo del Toro was supposed to do it. And he stepped in like the last minute without prep and like, so much more of the behind the scenes for those movies is just him screwing around and having fun than it is like actual thinking about what they need to do to make good movies. Because I, my, my, my theory is that he just resigned himself that these were going to be pretty bad and just like, you know what, I'm going to have fun with these actors while I can. And sure. uh, that didn't even go very well. Well, they knew he was going to make a billion dollars anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's man. I want that. I want that alternate timeline where we get to see Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit trilogy, but, but then that means we don't get Pacific Rim and I love Pacific. Rim. So I'd rather have Pacific. Anyway. Um, I'm so much, I was, I was waiting. I thought you were going to say Sorkin is one of these because that's mm. one where I would easily say writer. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, look, I, 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 I didn't actually like get a list of names together until this morning and I just mm-hmm. Googled on tour directors and he didn't even come up and. I mean, it's also one of those that he had he had established himself as maybe yeah. the greatest current screenwriter before he started directing. So, like, that's an easy. If he had already always been writing and directing, that might have been a sure. different story. But yeah, that would have been an easy screenplay. In the same way that like I had David Fincher written on here, and I took him off because like he's like easily director. Like, mm-hmm. um, anyway, yeah, I think the um, ultimate thing we can really say here is that for a lot of writer directors they kind of have to go together or else it's not going to have the same feel as a lot of others. Well, and I feel like for, for pretty much all of these, it was like, you know, can, can you imagine, you know, I couldn't imagine somebody else doing a Wes Anderson movie or Wes Anderson directing somebody else's screenplay or whatever, you know, absolutely. That's, that's also what makes them auteurs, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that they write and direct. So it's almost an unfair question. Um, not, not, I'm not trying to say like, you shouldn't have asked it or anything, but like, um, just to say direction as the answer for most of, if not all of these, um, it just kind of says that like they continued their process of writing a great screenplay and continued to make a great movie in their direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's why I love like Christopher McQuarrie might be the best follow on Twitter because I love just the way that he interacts with people because he comes on like once a month and like quote replies a bunch of things that people ask him so he just has an ama like once a month and that's all he ever does and he's like so down to earth and he's and he's just he's willing to embrace his faults and for the most part like people are asking him questions about like mission impossible and filmmaking process there and they're like you know what was the process going into that he's like i showed up and we did it like he's mm-hmm. like he's so like on the fly willing to move willing to change like and like you know we don't remember mission impossible fallout because of the screenplay and he's like, I know you weren't going to like, but it's still really well done. And he's like, he, he, and for the most part, like, wasn't wasn't that movie like started without a finished screenplay? They were just like, eh, let's just see where it goes. Yeah. Like, and that's a, that's a great quality for a director. So, um, all right, real quick, uh, Joseph, this is your first time on. Uh, and apparently Robert has something to throw at me. So um, real quick, you got a chance to speak in my movie collection. What do you think? Uh, I, I want you to be as mean as possible. I'm tired of people being nice. Honestly, I feel like I'm probably the worst person to ask about this because 
one of my mainstays of the He's top be tens nice. and the best ever challenges <laughs> is that I always start out talking about, hey, this one's on my list of shame. Mm-hmm. There is one that I took a screenshot of on my phone I do want to bring up. And I mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. like I remember somebody bringing it up before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You own Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, 4, and 5. Yeah. Which is not the issue. It's the fact that you don't own 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah. I have brought, questions about why you would own them to begin with, but... I, I only <laughs> recently picked up. it up because I heard a lot of movie collectors that, that, that I follow on Twitter that were saying that it's actually like a really fun, campy 80s B-movie horror thing. And there was a three-pack that just got like remastered and released for like 12 bucks. So... Yeah, that's fair, but it's like, <laughs> come on, why do you not have the first two? That just hurts. Because the first two aren't available, like, without, for for, for 12 bucks total, you know? Yeah, that's I, why. I, I guess I'll allow that. Also, there are a few on here that I'm just like, even I have seen this movie. Yeah. <laughs> if I have seen this movie, why have you not seen this movie? Like, Amelie, yeah. why have you not seen this? We'll get around to it. it, it nobody, people, <laughs> people didn't vote it, and we had that in the goats bracket at one point, and it yeah. was outvoted. Maybe, I, I need to create. Was it paired with Amadeus? Was that the one that was paired with? I don't know. Amelie. I don't remember. Probably doesn't slept fit our. Then. I've slept since then. I, I feel like Amelie it... was. No, it was a 2001 the movie. Was it okay? Maybe we talked about it and then realized it was 2001. We're older anyway. than it. <laughs> yeah, no, right. there's, there's definitely those that I just feel like knowing how often I just go. I had never seen this movie before, and I'm sitting there looking at one I have seen. It's just one of those things. I just would be like, shame since you haven't seen it. Okay, cool. That's why. That's why. That's why the podcast has changed to. To helping me, you know, see most of the movies I own. <laughs> so that that's where my my roast comes from. Is like, what kind of money are you spending that you're buying so many Criterion's and Steelbooks of movies you haven't even seen? I'm I'm very conservative with my money, and I don't even try to. I try not to even do that with movies I have seen. So like, why? I essentially don't spend money on anything else. <laughs> like. Okay. That's, I don't that's need what, food. And, I need this movie. And, and, and this is amassed over 10 years. You know, this isn't like I went sure. out one weekend and got like this is this is a, a long, long run thing. And I I sell movies and video games that I don't wish to keep anymore and then use that money to buy new ones. So, yeah. And I don't think I've ever paid full price for a criterion. Yeah. Um, so yeah. like that also helps. I mean, it's still is not cheap, but yes. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the answer. I Yeah. And on Black Friday, I'm willing to buy something that I wasn't going to wasn't going to but when you can get whatever for a really cheap price then yeah and then an earnest question a non-roast question Mm. where did you get decision to leave is isn't that not a u.s release i thought it was a movie movie yeah is it a is it it region a u.s movie release Mm -hmm. i think it's just like only but yeah i i picked up because it was on sale and i don't have movie and i really want to see it because i heard it's best movie last year to some people um but yeah no there's a there's a legitimate blu-ray release from movie um on amazon for 23 bucks right now because i know some uh movie releases are like only europe like shiva baby i wanted to get that but there's no american release of it yeah no it's re- it's full region a blu-ray um has some special features on it too i wonder um if like because i don't know that movie like produces their own movies i don't know for sure no no so i wonder if it's one of those like it's worked into the clause where it's like you will have exclusive streaming rights for forever but we also want to put out a blu-ray like yeah or we know. get or we get home media rights or whatever and then they're like sure but it has to be branded and it's like fine you know um so i don't that that would be my answer but yeah there's a there's a copy on amazon you can get like so it's 23 bucks right now i think i got it on sale well, I'll have to grab that when I get the chance. Yeah. yeah. Another good. reason I don't think I can go too hard on you for this is the fact that you have Cool Hand Luke on here. 
Mm-hmm. And you've actually seen it, even though it's been a long time ago. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. I just turn around and look at my copy of Cool Hand Luke, still in the wrapper from the store, mm-hmm. not been opened. Mm-hmm. Since what, <laughs> so, Black Friday 2013? Not quite Black Friday, but the $5 bin at Walmart. Yeah. Look at you yeah, roasting kind of back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Um, I have one random question for you guys before we move on. Something non-pop culture related. I guess it kind of is, though. Um, what game show do you think you could win? <laughs> um, I don't know. What game shows are there? I don't, I don't watch a lot I of game shows. I have always been told I should go on Jeopardy. Mm. <laughs> the problem with that is the fact that I know a lot of just random things that just have nothing to do with any random, any real conversation. But if you put me on the stage in that moment... It's going to be like, oh, it's gone. I forgot. Mm-hmm. I love watching Prices Right, but I watch enough and you know play along at home to know that I don't. I don't know that I could do very well. <laughs> um, you know, I love watching Prices Right. I don't know that I'd be good at it. Jeopardy. Jeopardy is too broad of knowledge. Like I don't. I don't yeah. have a ton of broad. No- I don't know that I could do well. I could do really well in some categories. Not be really about it. And I'm not good at. I'm not good at puzzle solving enough to be good at Wheel of Fortune. Even though like a decent amount of that is just luck based. Like. Based off of where you spin, like if where you lose a turn, like ends. sucks to right. suck. Yeah. Does um, whose line is it anyway count? That's not a game show. <laughs> well, the points um, don't matter. The points so. don't matter. Yeah. Um, Except for when I I'm think, on it. I think now it's a team based game. So, like, granted, you have to have like complimentary pieces there, but I think I'm really good at Family Feud. That's the thing for me where what Joseph was just saying what would happen where my mind would just blank, where they're like, name an animal, and I'm just like, fork (laughs) (laughs) i I would be the person who would say something obscene that would just break the host (laughs) you get to look it would be the number one answer and he would just leave yeah steve harvey would just leave because it'd be the number one answer that's happened a lot on it really has which makes it great but i'll say survivor because i hate survivor (laughs) yeah you you think that you would you would win because they wouldn't vote you out because they're like this guy's not a threat right exactly yeah (laughs) Nice. My wife oh, watches a... it, and I I just can't stand it anymore because I've sat in on like parts of too many episodes, and it just grinds my gears. But I know the strategies from sitting in on the, and having it in the background. I, I I'd be able to do it. I'd play play dumb. There's a there's a scene in the movie The Ringer, which isn't a good movie, and you shouldn't watch it. But it does have a couple <laughs> fun moments that have always stuck in my head. And one of them is there's this guy that's like this this movie guy, and he's just like. You know, he's talking with him and he's like, go ahead, name any movie. And like, he's going to like give you like the, the context would imply that he's going to give you like a fun fact about it or whatever. Um, he's like, go ahead, name any movie. He's just like Jaws. I guess like, that's a good movie. Like, and that's the whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like that whole like uh, name an animal fork. Like, <laughs> Right. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder how we would do on Game Changers. Oh, I've never probably seen not Changers. well, but the dropout show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that show. I'd probably be terrible, but I love watching it. I love watching I would... culinary shows, but I could never compete Ooh. at them. Like, I, I couldn't hold a candle even to, like, Chop Jr. Like, because, um, I don't know. But, like, yeah. I love watching cooking shows, and I love even, like, trying to... We, we like to watch Chopped, and then my, my wife will pause it once the basket and greens are revealed. She's like, what are you making? I'm like, I guess I'm making macaroni and cheese with all these things thrown in it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, with, with uh, like, the cooking shows, I like to cook. The only problem is I don't like to cook when there is a timer on me. Hmm. And that would be the thing I would hate the most. That's why you burn all your food. Actually, (laughs) I have a, there's a pretty decent show out there on, on TBS (laughs) right now called rat in the kitchen. And it's like a cooking show where like you're working with teams, but then one person in there is trying to sabotage everything and they have to do it without getting found out. Mm. I might be pretty okay at that. Like if I'm a saboteur, 
people are just walking around dropping terrible ingredients and like something that's spoiling or something like that. Yeah. Or so they'll like go to try to help because it's kind of a collaborative team base and like they'll go to try to help and they're like, "Mm, nope, you need more seasoning on that. And they'll like throw in some salt or whatever. Or like sometimes you're like, you know, that person's like, you know, not actually the rat. They're just bad or they miscalculate or whatever or whatever. Or like, but like people be walking around like shutting off burners on, on skillets Mm. or, or like turning off ovens or like they'll deliberately drop something in the pantry room to, to where it's like you can't use it anymore, so you have to completely change your plan, especially like if you've already got the dish working. It's part so. of it, like you have to just like everyone else has to figure out who the rat was. Yeah. yeah yep. Yeah. So there's one rat. There's I might six have people. to check that out. Like, it's actually yeah. pretty good. It's on Hulu. Um, I think we. I think I have a DVR from Hulu, but yeah, it was on TBS. It's it's pretty fun. I'm definitely uh, looking that up. And it's like it, it's 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 kind of directed in a way where they don't get they they don't show you all the times that people sabotage. So like, mm-hmm. it's not like. It's not like you just see a camera view completely unedited or whatever. Like, there's definitely times where they reveal the rat and you're like, they didn't even show us that. There was no way for me to see that. So um, we should get to talking into the program stuff for today. Uh, that's right. I think this could be pretty. Um, we're only talking about one movie today and then three attractions. Let's go, let's go in order that I have them listed here. Peter Pan and Wendy, a new movie coming to Disney Plus this uh, Friday, May 28th. Okay, a live ad- ad- live action adaptation of J.M. Barrie's classic tale of a boy who wouldn't grow up and recruits three young siblings in London to join him on a magical adventure to the enchanted Neverland Island. Uh, written and directed by David Lowry uh, from The Green Knight. Uh, also, uh, a couple other screenwriter directors there. Not really anybody that I rec- recognize in the cast other than Jude Law, Jim Gaffigan, but naturally you can tell this is about kids so there's a lot of people that like i don't even recognize from like they don't have like the kids from the black phone or stranger things or anything there so um alan tudyk in here that's nice uh, and uh molly parker playing anyway alan, alan parker's playing or alan um tudyk's playing mr darling so he's not playing like a random oh he's not animal, playing shmi he could have done sad. a good shmi he would have been a no. great shmi um anyway uh, there's only one um, person i think should play shmi and it's thanks to fellow sip up writer chris and i can't think of his name uh, I only refer to him oh, as from, from the Hook episode. Yeah, uh, shoot, what's his name? Jim Bautista? No, not Dave Bautista. Uh, looks like Jim Gaffigan's playing Smee, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> that works. Anyway, you'll think of it later. Um, real quick, um, uh, giving synopsis and all that stuff. When you guys think, um, your free will is the only thing that matters. Let's. This is a Disney Plus original release, but let's just assume it was going to be a theaters only. Um, your free will is the only thing that matters. You're going to do a theaters rent stream. Uh, not interested or kind of as as alluded to last episode maybe we'll throw in a tentative based off of you know letterbox reviews or whatever yeah um where do you think you land on this scale uh joseph let's start with you i'm a little bit conflicted on because i remember really liking the animated peter pan and i have a hard time feeling like this is going to be able to match up to that but at the same time it's got jude law it's got alan tudyk in it so it's Mm-hmm. hard for me not to say it's going to be good because I, I tend I mean, to Alan, like movies Alan, to Tud- <laughs> Alan Tudyk's playing Mr. Darling I'm sure he'll be in the movie for three and a half seconds yeah, yeah probably but I mean when you put people with names like that in there and I usually enjoy their movies I have a hard time not saying that I would go for theaters okay. it would be much better if we had Jason Statham as Smee I finally figured out who it was oh <laughs> yeah just sit there just not saying a word just angrily just glaring mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, I would say kind of low-end theaters, high-end rent. Okay. Robert, where you land? Uh, probably about the same because, as you know, I love David Lowry. Um, I think The Old Man and the Gun is one of the only couple that I haven't seen of his. Um, but between A Ghost Story, Green Knight, and yes, Pete's Dragon, 
he makes some very very good movies um and showing that he's one of he's made one of the only genuinely very good remakes in peach dragon um for these disney movies i would give that a little bit more of a bump so i probably land about where joseph is um as well as the fact that it's called peter pan and wendy and not just peter pan that psychologically that makes me think it might be a little bit different than the 53 version um mm-hmm. just because you know all these like maleficent isn't a exact remake yeah. um uh what what is the other aladdin one? is a Pretty little much. different I but mean, the only there, difference is really that more it's to do for Will Smith. Yeah. Um, what's the one with Mia Washakovska? Um, oh, the Cinderella? No. I. Why can't I think of this? The Mr. one that, that came out the same year as uh, Avatar, the first Avatar. 2009? Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland, yeah. The Tim Burton one? Yeah, like that's different than the original, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just... The title being different gives me a little bit of hope for some reason. I'm going to go in the new category. Like, uh, so I'm really kind of not interested in this, but I am curious uh, and could be changed pretty easily based off of um, audience reactions. Specifically, like, really, really the only people who I care their opinion on anymore is people that I follow on Letterboxd, uh, which is mostly Sif Pop writers. So um, if this winds up getting pretty favorable scores, I'll check it out. After all, it is already on Disney+. Plus, But I, I'm just not terribly interested um in Dis- in the disney live action remakes anymore unless they're going in a different direction like like i remember one of the first b plots that we did for this podcast was the like get a get a director like pick a director to do the new live actions like i, w- I wanted really out of the box there one so you know i had like damien chazelle's the great mouse detective and um stuff like that like I, like i'm i'm really interested in like some out of the box stuff so if if your review robert says that it's actually like a good complimentary piece to the original or like a, a good, you know, alternate take on the original, whatever, um, as opposed to just a remake. Then, yeah, I mean, I didn't like the Green Knight and I haven't seen a ghost story or Pete's Dragon, but um, like I, I can recognize the talent finally came for Green. Knight. It's just I'm not a movie that I care for was made for me or anything. So um, I yeah, like I, I'll it's I'll okay. see Some reviews people weren't given taste. Yeah. Yep. You know me. Um, so I, mean, I uh, kind of go on the same topic. Yeah. It's same thing for me. If I were to be like, I might be interested in watching this, but then people I know are just word of mouth going, Oh, this is bad. Then I'm just like, okay, maybe I'll just watch it out of curiosity one night when I have nothing better to do. But otherwise I, mean, but that's I just the point of this anticipation level. Right. Cause like, yeah. obviously that can always happen, but I'm just saying, how are you feeling right now? And I'm saying as of right now, I'm not interested, but I could pretty easily be swayed into checking this out sooner rather than later. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you like Pete's Dragon, Robert, I don't, I don't know that I know anybody else's opinion on that movie. Um, maybe does give me a little bit of hope since you said it was pretty good. But normally these aren't like they aren't terribly good. And I was, right. I didn't, I didn't remember that he did it. But I was thinking like, I wonder if this is just Disney paid a bajillion, a bajillion dollars to some hot young, hot talent, you know, and and because they paid him a bajillion dollars, now he can go make another movie like The Green Knight, and you know, like. That's exactly what he's doing. He's like a journeyman slash auteur. It's it's really so, weird. So he's making Pete's Dragon so he can make a ghost story yeah. and the Green Knight. And now he's going to make Peter Pan and Wendy so he can make whatever comes next. Yeah. Some remake yeah. of some 1946 French movie or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. So um, and that's fine. Right. That's 
And and I would love if stu- if studios did that more, where it's where he could even do it under the Disney banner, you know, um, or at least yeah, one of their you know searchlight pictures or whatever okay. instead of a twenty four. Yeah, like obviously not Disney banner necessarily, but right. they own so many things, you know. Searchlight um, would be a higher budget than a twenty four, probably. Hey, you make our Peter Pan movie, and we'll greenlight your whatever you want to do next. You know, one for me, mm-hmm. one for me. Just why not? So. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to say. Like the director intrigues me and Jim Gaffigan and Jude Law as, as Captain Hook intrigued me, intrigues me. And... Not many modern directors can grow a better mustache than David Lowry. So that's always, that always counts for something. That, that's the important thing. Can he grow a mustache? He can't. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go see this. Exactly. There's also a bit of a discussion on just remakes. Like there are remakes of movies I've seen where the original I think is fantastic, but the remake just doesn't have that same atmosphere or soul to it that the original did granted there are also somewhere i feel like the remake is far better than the original but there's that discussion in there too you yeah. to just capture what the original did so well right taxi driver is much better than joker so that's a good example yeah, yeah. for sure um are you there god it's me margaret is another movie that is coming out this week this one is coming to theaters um when her family moves from the city to the suburbs, 11-year-old Margaret navigates new friends, feelings, and the beginning of adolescence. This is uh, written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, as well as co-written by uh, Judy Bloom. I, th- If I had to take a guess, I don't know that that's screenplay. I'm sure that's just because it's based on by, a book by... Yeah. Adapted from. Adapted from. Um, yep. Um, notable cast you might recognize would be Rachel McAdams and Kathy Bates, specifically. Um, Benny Safdie. As, uh, Benny Safdie, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this one? Um, theaters rent stream skip or kind of hold off? I'm gonna uh, be there. Oh, sorry. I'm going to be their opening night. Um, I was interested in it, in it at first anyway, but it's we're cheating with this, but it's already getting like very, very good word of mouth. Um, also, fun side fact Hans Zimmer did the score for this. So <laughs> I'm very interested it. to hear what that is going to be. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I love Rachel McAdams, Kathy Bates, obviously. Um, what if it came out with some like really epic score, like the Amazing Spider-Man Two score, you know, where it's like got like mix of dubstep in it too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> very, very surprising. Um, recent news coming out about the Safdie brothers. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'd like to see Benny Safdie acting around a teenage girl, but uh, besides that, I do like him as an actor. If we separate mm-hmm. that sort of thing, so mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. So that's we, my, uh, we, my we we do for the sake of things that are beyond our control. Exactly. Like him as an actor, apparently not as a person anymore. Fair. Um, uh, Joseph, where do you land? Honestly, I was kind of leaning more towards streaming purely because of the fact that it's one of those things where a lot of coming of age stories just don't seem to land with me half the time. But the fact that it has Kathy Bates and Rachel McAdams in there and also you didn't. I didn't know about the Hans Zimmer score, but just knowing that might have bumped it up to about the same level of Peter Pan and Wendy, about low end theaters, high end rent. Okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go right where Joseph is. Um, this this like shouldn't be a movie that's made for me. Like I don't like it's not made for a 28 year old man. But like the trailers look surprisingly good, and um, I'm all for a good. You know, Edge of Seventeen isn't a movie made for me, but Edge of Seventeen is great. Every movie so, could be made for everyone. Just want to throw that out there. Movies they weren't making. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, for twenty eight year old bald mean? man. It was. They were probably. It was written for the author. The author wanted to express something artistically, and now it's being adapted by someone who got something out of that, and it's going to put their own artistic spin. Movies right. are empathy machines. We can all get something out of anything. You're right. Either way, um, point is, I 
um yeah i'm weirdly excited i feel weirdly excited about this one um i don't like i'm not gonna rush to see it but uh, you know i i think my wife really wants to go and i will happily accompany her so that is my take it's just so funny looking at hans zimmer's filmography because like for every inception dune or batman there's the boss baby (laughs) or hillbilly elegy or you know uh hidden figures it's like that doesn't he has a very specific type of movie that he seems to be in and then all of a sudden he just completely goes away from that sometimes mm-hmm. uh last film of the week uh that we'll talk about for not yet coming out big george foreman the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world the longest movie title i have ever seen uh the synopsis is the life and boxing career of george foreman so the synopsis is shorter than the title <laughs> Um, this is directed by George Tillman Jr. He's also a screenwriter, a couple other people's there as well. Um, Forrest Whitaker in a supporting role, well down the line. Um, not, a, not like a ton of recognizable fame here, but, um, that's not like, that's not a bad thing. Um, um, what do you guys think about Big George Foreman, theaters rent stream skip, not interested, or sorry, theaters rent stream skip or wait to see trusted reactions first i will kick us off with an enthusiastic not interested um next i think i'm personally in the word of mouth category where it's just wait and see what the reaction is going to be before i really decide if it's worth renting when it comes on to renting or putting it on while streaming because i'm not a big boxing guy in general so this that appeal level is already just not there I'm not a big boxing guy in general, but Cinderella Man is one of the best sports movies ever made. Fair. And the Rocky Balboa uh, series is as popular as it is for a good reason. But it's just a lot of times these sports biographies do tend to underwhelm at the same time. So, yeah, I'm very much in the just wait and see before I really kind of say for sure where I'm going to go. I looked it up just now and... Big George Foreman is 15 characters longer than the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're right about the long titles. Um, that was the longest <laughs> one I could think of off the top of my head. That wasn't like yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord of the Rings or Return of the King. Um, yeah, I'm also in the same place as you guys. And for a slightly different reason, and that and that's to add that it's a biopic. Um, mm-hmm. And these days, especially, unless a biopic is getting good word of mouth, I'm just, I don't care anymore, you know? Well, and this is trying to tell the story of both his boxing career at its height and his redemption, but also trying to tell in the middle and like a come to Jesus movie. And it's only two hours and nine minutes. And it just feels like it's trying to tell a four hour story in half the time. And that's not like the pacing is going to be all off. And like, look, here's the thing. You guys know that like, I take my faith pretty seriously, but like, has there ever been a good like faith based movie, a good faith based movie? Yeah. I mean, like, have, have there been more than like, <laughs> yeah uh like it's these kind of ones you know like last Temptation okay, was great sure. really like silence you know right um, yeah Th- this is different like the kurt warner one from a couple of years ago is another good mid. example it's terrible it's fine oh, okay sure it's, but yeah it's bad like it's not great jesus revolution from this year is garbage i didn't see it um the devil conspiracy is my number one movie of the year though so yeah naturally <laughs> uh but yeah like no, I'm, I'm like I'm trying to think of like uh like like there just seem to be all of these coming out all the time. I think American Underdog was like the most recent thing I can think of, but um they're just they're never really good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean on the biopic aspect of it, for me it just depends on what the biopic is about and who it's about. Like Oppenheimer, which I think now got moved to the fall of this year. That's I don't think easily, officially yet. It's still officially. it's still July. Yeah, 
Okay, not there it's still rumors, July right yeah. now. But yeah, no, that one for me is a good example of it being the right subject and the right person to where it's just if the local theater has it, I'm going there day one because that's just a subject and a person that fascinates me. George Foreman just does not have that level in my mind and in my interests to draw me to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is also here. that George Foreman is still alive. So that always gives me pause. You know, like yeah, yeah, a controversial yeah. figure like Oppenheimer, maybe not even controversial, you know, like someone who was responsible for the deaths of millions versus just like a boxer who went through the same thing that every other rocker or boxer, you know, in a time period went through. That's yeah. true. There's yeah, biopics that about of... people that are still living is really we- like really weird, especially like if they're involved in production. I don't um, know if he was, so I don't want to throw yeah, that out there, but yeah, sure. But like. Yeah, I mean, even the Kurt Warner one. I mean, I guess, like, it's different for, like, athletes if it's about an athlete because, like, he's been done with his career for a hot second. Sure. But, like, yeah, I mean, even when when when, uh, when HBO did that Spielberg documentary in, like, 2018 or 19 or whatever, and, like, it's great, but, like, it just felt weird. It's like, you're not telling the whole story. Like, he's still making movies. So. Yeah, and I think a lot of it just depends on how they frame that story. And you know, going back to Oppenheimer on this, that's one reason why I want to watch it is I'm curious how and when – in Oppenheimer's life, Christopher Nolan is pulling from because that's going to be two drastically different movies right there. And I feel like the same thing with Big George Foreman. If I get, if I knew they were going to focus on his late later career when he became the oldest heavyweight champion in the world, I might be more interested in that because in fact that's a little bit different than just oh we're going to talk about his entire career, including the gap in the middle. Because then yeah, I but ask, I've already seen Rocky Balboa, and Rocky Balboa is a great movie. I don't see need to see another movie about an old boxer. That's fair, but well, that's, we can still, have... that's still kind of my point. Like, when are they going to focus nope, on nope, their life? Nope, we can't have more than one type of movie. <laughs> um, Oppenheimer is actually a funny one to bring up based on our conversation from earlier, where like I'm not really looking forward to how Nolan writes that at all because I don't know if he has the type of nuance to deal with the um, him making the bomb and then also the I am become death. But like, I know he does have have it in him to do the scale and all that as a director so yeah it's a a nice full circle moment i'm yeah i'd be so interested if the guy that did first that wrote first man would have written oppenheimer yeah something like that yeah something like that would be good yeah all right uh you got to hear a lot of movie movie opinions and stuff from robert and joseph so time to promote your stuff in case people want to follow you on other places where they go robert let's start with you underscore rob thoughts on twitter and robert's thoughts on letterboxd uh the twitter one is until I finally make the decision to leave. Um, I I just need to find a way to get my movie and sports news another way because Twitter is becoming close to unusable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm Joseph CSH and Davis on Twitter. Same with Robert, depending on how long Twitter decides it wants to be okay-ish for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Letterboxd, I need to get back onto it, but it's JCDavis314. I really wish that all these places I'm on would just allow me to be JCD, but (laughs) someone already has claimed those. But yeah, I know. I was too late on that. I was too late on the train. You can't Um, have an easy few letters as your username, but if you want to mix your your not very usual last name with a kind of third tier fast food food place, then, then it's easier. Yeah, there's going to be like another new app that comes along that's really popular. And one of you guys is going to sign up for Schweik Castle for me just so I can't have it. <laughs> now that and you say that, like, I'm going to do it. And it's going to yeah, annoy me. And I'm just like, not going to join that app. <laughs> it'd be like, Aaron, I have the username, $20. Oh, 
Oh my goodness, you're starting way too low. <laughs> I don't have twenty dollars. <laughs> hey, so it's all money on movies. What do you what yeah. makes it easy? Yeah, and I'm more than twenty. Uh, quick reminder: Patreon.com/slash/sipodwr. In case you want to hear other th- uh, lots of other stuff from me at, or episodes early, the um, uh, most recent episode will be live by the time this is. Um, I saw Evil Dead Rises. Evil Dead Rise uh, this week, so I'll have some thoughts uploaded there. Here shortly before this episode goes public so um looking forward to, to that so if you want to know what i think about that movie head over that way uh let's get, finally get into it can uh, i ask you something goats topic mm-hmm. <laughs> before we actually finally get into it um i'm, I'm gonna be talking about evil dead with, with shane on the review roundup but mm-hmm. i've only seen the raimi ones i'm gonna watch the other one today or tomorrow probably mm-hmm. um how much more horror gory is it than like the campiness of the original three the 2013 one yeah and the new one very similar to the new one so like what i haven't seen the new one yet like how oh you're saying evil dead rises oh uh yeah, how, how is the new iteration compared to the original raimi ones so like from from what i told so the raimi ones are still pretty gory still pretty scary but have a ton of camp in there so like you're never necessarily scared because you're still having fun along the way um 2013 is a straight up horror film that has next to no camp um, I was told that uh, going into that, this one was supposed to be kind of along the middle. And I would say if it's, if, if it's a spectrum from, you know, Raimi's is zero and 2013 is a hundred, mm-hmm. I'd say this is more like 80. Okay. Um, it's, it's got some camp, but like, it's not as much as I thought it was going to be. It is more so a straight up horror film that has some camping moments and has some good Easter egg callbacks. But like, if you're. If you're wanting something more closely resembling those original Raimi ones, you're not going to get it. It's a little bit more closely resembling, but that 2013 one is straight up horror. From what I remember, it's been since 20. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> For more thoughts, listen to the re- review roundup the first weekend of May. There we go. Um, all right. Great Dictator is a film uh came out in 1940. It's streaming on Amazon Prime and Hulu. One of those, I think it's I think it's public domain. So I, there's wait, lots of. So I double checked. Is that right? Prime and Hulu? I watched it on I HBO. I put these show notes together a while together. I'm sure I, it's on HBO as well. As I, I pulled up it's... Just Watch. Uh, yeah. According to it, it's on streaming on HBO Max and Hulu with HBO Max. Although I think now it's just called Max. Okay. Not yet. That, that was yeah. that was a choice. Um, <laughs> it must have changed since I put these show notes together. But either way, um, I think it's one of those. It's 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 either public domain or it's close to being. So it'll be it's everywhere. Not quite so. public domain, domain, but it's getting pretty close. I think. Yeah um i mean it's 19 um quick synopsis for the movie uh dictator hinkle tries to expand his empire while a poor jewish barber tries to avoid persecution from regime written directed and starring charlie chaplin um this uh movie has a lot of reasons why we might uh consider it a goat among this category why it might be considered one of the greatest movies of all time let's get into just a little bit of it there's an 8.4 on imdb which is number 62 of all time uh, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes has a 92% score. It has a 4.2 on Letterboxd, making it uh, the 171 highest rated narrative feature film on Letterboxd. It was nominated for um, Best Picture, Best Lead Actor for Charlie Chaplin, Best Supporting Actor for Jack Oakey, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Score for at the Oscars the year it came out. It won none of them. Uh, on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs, this came number 37. Uh, 2010, The Guardian ranked this as the 22nd best comedy film of all time. In 2017, the BBC voted this the 16th greatest comedy film of all time. In 1997, this was dubbed to the uh, National Film Registry. 
and there's a Criterion release of this film. And lastly, always worth noting, this is on Roger Ebert's great movies. Uh, real quick, a little bit of history for this movie. And if you if you have seen it, and if you haven't seen it, then why you were excited to watch it? Let's start with our guest Joseph. I was about to say, if you remember back in 2020, I had two pieces on this movie. I had uh, picked it. For, I don't remember the the uh, best ever challenge it was on. But I remember I had picked it for the best ever challenge because I thought this is one I've wanted to see for a long time and I have an excuse to watch it now. And something about watching it just convinced me that there needs I need to write more about this than just the short blurb for the BEC. So I ended up writing a piece on it with it being the 80th anniversary of it coming out that came out later in 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is ended up being the second time I had watched it. And I can't remember if I started writing that piece about it immediately after watching it and writing the BEC or not long after, but it's just, for me, it's a movie that's just really stuck with me. Like few movies have. Okay. Uh, Robert, have you seen this one before? No, I'd never seen it before. Um, we're doing history or our thoughts? Uh, history. So you haven't yeah. seen it before. Have you seen other Charlie Chaplin movies besides the kid? I've also seen modern times, okay. which is actually genuinely really great. And, and more in, more than just a like I appreciated it way. Um and yeah, it was like any No, I it was just like most of these other ones. Great movie I knew we need to get to and I was excited to cross it off the list. Obviously I hadn't seen this one. I think the only chaplain I'd seen is uh, is the kid because we watched it for this. Um and I think the only Buster Keaton I've seen is Sherlock Jr. because we did that not that long ago. That's the same um, for me in that case, yeah. Yeah. Um I was really excited to watch this one because this one has like a, a different legacy than most of Chaplin's era. I think I, th- I think reputation says that this is Chaplin's best, um, at least most iconic. I don't know. Like it's in and when you consider this one as his like first talkie um, as opposed to the silent film era. Like I know we mostly think of Chaplin in the silent film era, but I think this one is probably considered his best. W- would you guys agree with that? Like general I have no idea of what's with my limited viewing of his movies. I would definitely say this is probably the better one of the ones I've the best ones on the ones I've seen. Granted, it was also the first one I saw, so it set the bar pretty high to begin with. And you talk about it being the first uh, film he did that was actually sound, the first full sound, full sound, yeah, yeah, yeah. not yeah, first full words and all that. Because there is yeah. there is some spoken dialogue in modern times. Yeah, but this first full sound film he did that didn't wasn't still majority silent, and I'm going to get into it a little bit more. But just that gave it something that other movies he's done just didn't have for me. So yeah, no, this is definitely still one of my favorites of his. Okay. Um. Either way, I was just really excited for that. Um. And then I, the only thing I'd known about this movie is that it has a really iconic speech at the end. Um. And yeah. Um. Now we can go to our ratings. Um. Let's go in that same order. Joseph, do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? I think it's just okay. Well, I think it's pretty clear that I love this movie. <laughs> this, in the fact that, it, like I said, it just has stuck with me so much since I first watched it. And just something about it just spoke to me like movies usually don't tend to do. It, like I said, it's pretty clear that this movie is one I loved when I first watched it, and I still absolutely just adore it. Robert? Uh, I will say high side of like it. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the speech, by the way, because I also knew there was an iconic speech. And then that first one comes up from Hinkle. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, that, that's really funny. I don't really know why it's so iconic, though. And then I get to the end. I was like, oh, I get it now. Uh, I'm right where Robert is. High side, I liked it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, really had a good time with this one. 
Um, by the way, I was looking um, the the Academy Awards that this was, but apparently this was the first one that they decided not to like tell the winners beforehand. Like like they they revealed them, um, and so apparently um, Jim, Jim James Stewart won for the Philadelphia Story that year for best actor and apparently he wasn't planning on showing up and he got a call that day that was like hey you should show up um yeah and because i saw that in like listed in oscar trivia but like look here's the, here's the deal we talked about philadelphia story a couple months ago and jimmy stewart's great in that but i feel like chaplin deserves this award <laughs> yeah um he's he's so good in this movie oh he's I try fantastic not to, in this film i try not to say like who did or didn't deserve oscar awards because it's so much it's more than just like who was better but if we're saying who had the better performance, I yeah, I agree. It's Chaplin by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um yeah, he's just, he's just so lovable in this. Uh, he does two like, performances too, and they're both good. And both great. Like, he's he plays yeah. his fun little quirky it's it's not the tramp, um, you know, but the like it's not really even similar to that persona because it's a little bit more serious with his Jewish barber person, but he you know, he's got that like still kind of he's silly persona to way, him. Yeah. yeah. Um uh but it's but it's a little bit more serious than something uh than, than some of the stuff he's done in the past. A little bit less slapsticky, um, except for like a couple scenes here or there where it's just like, all right, cool, we need to make the audience laugh again. So let's have him almost fall off a building and drop all the the all of is it Schultz? Yeah, all of Schultz. Schultz's stuff off the top. Yeah. yeah. Or using um, the guy's then... bald head as a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, there definitely is like a lot of his silent movie influences in there. Like when he's listening to the radio while shaving the guy and just the fact that he's matching the music as he's going, that mm-hmm. very much feels like his older work. And then you just have the other stuff in there that's just the sound movie aspect of it that just meshes perfectly for me. So like he's the, but he he also plays that role of Hinkle as well, where he like, he plays a stern dictator guy, but also like a parody uh, of that. And then he also like, he's, and it's hilarious, like, because that, right, that first speech that you were mentioning, Robert, where, like, I, look, I turned on subtitles for this movie not long into it. I did, too. Um, yeah, and, and so I don't know, like, is there supposed to be subtitles during that whole, but, but like, the subtitle says, think so. like, like, inaudible German, like, it's, it's not, it's not actual German or whatever, because it's supposed to be this made up Tomanian, but it's supposed to resemble German, but it's like. It's so there's like sauerkraut and pretzel. Yeah, and he's like randomly throws schnitzel in there. Yeah, and schnitzel, right? And so he like randomly will do that kind of stuff. But then like the like the audience isn't reacting in a way that it's supposed to be. like like a, like a joke. Like we would laugh and think it's funny because ha 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 ha. Like you know. Uh, anyway, like it's 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 just a really great performance on both ends. Um, and and similar to you, Joseph, you mentioned um, the scene where he is at the barbershop is just so delightful like where he's shaving alongside it it's uh they mentioned it, it's hungarian man number five or something like that mm-hmm. uh it's hilarious it's it's really captivating it's really um entertaining uh, it's it's just great um i really liked that that was one of my favorite scenes and, uh, and and even similarly you have the the the, bo- the balloon globe scene where like just a little dance number in the middle yeah. of nowhere like a lot of things that kind of harken back to that silent film era even though this is kind of just past that. Well, you kind of already said it, but like part of what makes the performance performances so good to me is that, yeah, he's an iconic, almost basically the iconic silent film performer. And he does all that stuff so well, but he also has great vocal range, um, Mm -hmm. which you can't necessarily take for granted when he's done so well as a silent film actor, you know? Um, So whether it's those speeches in fake German or Tumanian or whatever it is, um to him going up there at the end for that speech 
um, having so much emotion in his voice or just like having normal conversation and still having it be funny or emotional or touching or whatever it needs to be. Um, yeah, it's a really good, varied performance and it's um, effective and, you know, visually, physically and audibly. The uh, <laughs> there's one other moment I wanted to mention from the speech, and it's like w- w- where we have like an English translator, like trying to it, it feels very like Mel Brooksian or Monty Python because there's this one moment where he starts he starts saying Jews, he says Juden, and uh, and he says it like 50 times in the span of like three and a half minutes. And the commentator just says, His Excellency has just referred to this, and like that's all, it is. yeah, that's all you get, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and about, I feel like we kind of had to talk a little bit when it comes to this movie, the proverbial elephant in the room of exactly who Chaplin is parodying here, mm-hmm. which is weirdly enough is like one of my favorite facts about this movie. Uh, apparently, uh, Hitler actually watched this movie twice alone, <laughs> just by himself, no one else in the room, and no one knows exactly what he thought about that. And yeah, I, I really feel like it was a case of him seeing something he wanted to just go after and this is the best way he could do it yeah and he nailed it frankly if you ask me i'd love to know it works this is weird to say but i'd love to know what hitler thought of it (laughs) you know like (laughs) he probably was very angry knowing knowing that country that time if they had won the second world war it chaplin would not have had a very long career after that i was gonna say it might have been wiped from history the movie probably yeah like you heard it here first, folks. Robert wants to know what Hitler thought. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Chaplin did too. Though I think he also said that yeah, had he yeah. known the exact atrocities that were going on in Germany at the time, which I mean, he was tr- he basically wanted to say make a movie that was like clearly his thoughts against that. But I think he said afterwards, if he had really known the true scope of it, he probably would never have made the movie. But doesn't he also like reference concentration camps and stuff in the movie? Yes. Yeah, they do. But like the length of it just wasn't. Well, no also at the time, it was just, oh, they're just taking them and putting them in prison camps, not the scopes of the true horrors of what were going on. Right. Um, I don't I don't know a good segue from, like, the seriousness of that, yeah. but mm-hmm. just, like, on a mechanical level in the movie, I you even see, like, early uh, types of, like, Leslie Nielsen airplane jokes. You know, yep. like, the Schultz says, how's the gas? He goes, terrible. It kept me awake all night. <laughs> or like, can yeah. you fly a plane? I, I can try. Or um, I always thought of you as uh, as Aryan. And he goes, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> you know, that sort of, oh, yeah. That sort of stuff. So I think the humor is really good. Yeah. And then the scene where it's like, we got to figure out who's going to be the person to blow up Schultz's palace. So I put a coin in one of these puddings. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> what someone is like, I'm going to mess with and put a coin in everyone's puddings. And just Charlie keeps taking a bite and there's just another coin and the face that he makes each time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was one of my favorite scenes of everywhere. Um, or like when he's, this isn't a Nielsen type, but like when he's trying to stretch and break the spaghetti towards the end and it's just not breaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That was hilarious to me. Also when he keeps like putting, getting strawberries, putting cream on it. And then his anger just keeps throwing it. And finally he gets the strawberries back, puts the mustard on it instead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious to me. But at the same time, it, on a history standpoint, that kind of is also mocking him and Mus- Hitler and Mussolini at the same mm-hmm. time, because yeah. yeah, they were allies, but they felt like feels to me at least more like they were allies of convenience because <laughs> the fact that they had deferring opinions on a lot of things. So it's a way to mock them in a way that is just hilarious and effective. Like when they keep raising the seats and that sort of stuff. Exactly, yes. 
And he's like, "You, it's this is important. You must enter the room first, and you, and uh, you must always enter first and leave first. And yeah, you know, we're gonna have him enter from the other side of the room. And and he like walks up behind him and he just sneaks in. And he's just like, this is something wrong with this chair. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, the 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 one thing that kept on like making me giggle was the names that they would come up for all this stuff because air um, garbage, <laughs> yeah, air garbage, yeah. Uh, and then uh, the the Almost herring." His um the country of of the of the guy that comes in it's, uh, it's bacteria, bacteria. <laughs> yeah. and, Napolini and, the dictator of bacteria and, and the city that they're in at the end is Pretzelberg right <laughs> <laughs> like anytime there was like coming up with a name I'm like oh this is fun I love yeah. this um yeah <laughs> um what do you guys think of the stuff not, it's not the little tramp but effectively it's a little tramp like that's that's where it kind of loses me a little bit um as it cuts back and forth between the hinkle and his stuff um because i think this might be the mindset of, of a lot of people with this movie um at least a couple of people i read on letterboxd afterwards saying like they were really enjoying the movie thought it was really good satire it's really effective all that kind of stuff but the speech at the end is what takes it to another level um to me, it was kind of losing steam heading up to that point because it kept cutting back to the barber um, and because mm-hmm. the Hinkle stuff was just kind of playing out a little bit too much for me. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was just wondering what you guys thought if that affects you at all. I kind of feel like you did. I felt like the movie was losing a little bit of steam. Um, and I, I, I don't I think the first probably hour of the film, I would have I would have cut a little bit more. Um, and maybe that would have helped it like sustain a little bit longer at the end because like one like it takes a while to kind of set everything up and then things start to move. Um, and then that was so like it was always just like oh I just kind of it's been a while here and then the 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 steam the 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 speech at the end just kind of gets me back into it and um and ends on a high note. So I I felt like the same way you did. I felt like it was kind of losing some energy and and then it just ends on a really high note and you kind of forget about that. Yeah, I can very much see where you're coming from there. I can understand the idea of cutting it a little bit but at the same time i feel like you have to have some of that in some degree in there sure maybe adjust it a little bit but you have to get the idea of both how terrible hinkle is compared to just the state of life where the jewish barber is at the same time like it's still necessary but i can very much understand cleaning it up a little bit rather yeah, ironically I good shave <laughs> exactly i don't have anything specific in mind um but just you know, first viewing, this is what how, what I was feeling watching it. I was like, all right, I'm kind of losing interest a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe cutting one of the bits of the Mussolini stand-in and Hinkle, you know, trying to one-up each other, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it definitely comes back around for the speech at the end. Um, I understand why it's so iconic, like, immediately, like, three sentences into the speech. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm watching something special right away. Um, mm-hmm. And it works even now you know uh 83 years later or whatever it Mm -hmm. still works um it's not just something where it's like wow i could see why that's effective in the time of world war ii it's like no this is this is really well done and because just because of the fact that it's so universal it has that baseline of just treating each other as people um but it's also again with the the chaplain vocal performance it's so impassioned so well performed vocally and facially you know it's got Mm -hmm. that close up on his face um, and it's so well done. So, yeah, I, I think that that's what brought me back up to like, all right, this is definitely a great movie instead of just like, this is pretty good. Yeah, no, uh, the speech at the end very much, I feel like, is the whole purpose of this movie. And I think that's why it was like so profound when I first watched it, because 
when I watched it, not not to get into politics, but I was leading it was leading up to the 2020 election. And of course, I'm just sitting there just like, huh, this feels like I'm being spoken directly to right now. And I feel like that was also kind of Chaplin's goal at the time, because interestingly enough, in the UK, they weren't planning on showing this movie at first, because when it was being worked on in 1939, the things were tense and they were just afraid that what the reaction for that guy in Europe was going to do. But by the time it actually came out, well, the point was moot. So we got pro- good propaganda value here. And it, like I said, it just feels like Chaplin was making this movie, not so much to make a movie, but to like say, hey, we need to do something about this. We're in a bad place at the moment. We need to work together to fix it. And that definitely is why I feel like it's still, it's, but not just a goat, but it's just relevant today. I thought one thing that was interesting is uh, the the speech wasn't initially planned for the movie, um, but Char- but Chaplin like was making the movie, and as he was making the movie, he was finding more about the atrocities of of Hitler, and he just decided this is the way you have to end the movie. Um, yeah, like he started making the movie, and apparently like knew Hitler wasn't a great guy, but like the more he found out about Hitler and the Nazis and all that, he he added because uh, I was looking through IMDb trivia a little bit like. Um, time earlier today and um yeah it, it, there's like documentaries on the making of this film and it just like Chaplin kind of feels uncomfortable lampooning this after he, he he's he's making light of something that is so yeah. <laughs> dangerous and so it says ultimately the invasion of France inspired Chaplin to change the ending of his film to include the famous speech yeah and so like especially like that wasn't like you would think the point of this movie would be to get to that point. Yeah. And so how do you get to that point? And so it's like for that to just kind of be a footnote is remarkable. Oh yeah. And just, it's weird when it comes to Charlie Chaplin and Adolf Hitler, just how similar their lives are. Like they were born literally four days apart, hmm. same year, just four days apart. They both were born in very poor situations. They found their own ways to just kind of become prominent and world famous in one case, world infamous in another. Yeah. And he even like reflected on how easily the two of them could have just been reversed. And it's just eerie. They, I mean, having the same mustache. I know. Worse. <laughs> right. He barely had to change up his typical look for his, from his uh-huh. movies. Yeah, he only had to put on a different set of clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And the speech itself makes the movie as a whole feel more honest and feel less just like of a straight up lampoon. You know, it's, it gives it that serious tone, uh, which it needs because some sometimes it's easy to just make fun of something. Um, and this is a weird parallel, but like, don't look up is just like here we're lampooning a bunch of silly people who are potentially very dangerous. Um, and Hitler's case, obviously incredibly dangerous, and as you said, infamous and deadly, all that kind of stuff that goes without saying. But this it like takes away that veneer of silliness and comedy, and just like, hey. This is important. I learned it while making this movie. Um, probably at a certain point, he can't decide not to make the movie anymore. But like, he's like, if I'm going to make this movie here, I'm going to send this message. I'm going to send it without frills, without any jokes to to you know soften it. Here's how it is. Here's how I feel. Um, and yeah, well done, effective. It, it, it's like one of those cases of okay, we've been laughing about this, but real talk right now. We yeah. have to have a serious discussion. Right. Um, I wanted to mention something that I think negatively impacted my experience. And that is that I looked up the synopsis to like, try to explain what this movie was to my wife to see if she'd be interested in watching with me. And ultimately she didn't. Um, and, but the, the synopsis read along the lines of something like, um, a soldier comes back from the war and resembles like 
doesn't uh, it was something along the lines of like he doesn't know what's going on but he shares a a strong physical resemblance and winds up getting swapped in the role and it's like first of all that's a huge spoiler for the movie if you haven't seen it Uh, because like the movie isn't going in that direction until the last 10 minutes minutes, Um, but like it almost made me kind of wish especially by the time we do get to that point like I I like the movie where it's at but I, I was really going in almost expecting like this is going to be Charlie Chaplin's Life of Brian, like um, where it was going to be this, like they would get swapped earlier and we would have this buffoonish character in the seat of Hitler or something like that. Like, I kind of really want to see that movie. <laughs> All right. I have to say again, though, like there's the expectations versus what the text of the movie actually is. You know what I yes. mean? Like, yes, the movie doesn't so- set that up from the beginning besides the fact that they're kind of visually linked. So it's like, yes, the movie for what it is. Yes. I think we have the same, you and I have the same feelings of what the movie actually is, where it's just like, all right, it's really good. And then it kind of loses steam and then it's great again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, that's maybe HBO's fault or IMDb's fault or whoever the synopsis. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. it is. So, yeah. It is. It's, oh, actually, no, it was the, it was the, it was the back of the criterion. It was the freaking, uh, yeah, because I, I remember what it was. Anyway, so like, it, it changed my expectations a little bit. I, I tried not to, I tried to like, take that out of my mind when it w- clearly an hour into the movie wasn't going that direction or at least if it was going that way it was going significantly later but it it's one of those that like after i'm like oh man like maybe maybe it wouldn't have lost as much steam if that if that would have been you know the movie um so but yeah i really appreciate it for what it is i think that's just a different movie you know <laughs> like because it, yeah. it doesn't happen to the that's, last 10 minutes that's so fair. you can't even really discuss whether or not it would have lost steam because it's just a different movie that's a good point yeah, and I think if also you didn't go in really knowing that he gets mistaken at some point in the movie, maybe it's a different vibe as well. Because the fact that, I mean, heck, I even knew going in that they get swapped at some point and watching it the first time, I thought, okay, this is happening a lot later than I thought it was going to, but okay. Yeah, right. I had the same thing. Like, I knew he was getting swapped, and then it kind of just left my mind. I was like, all right, I guess it'll happen eventually. Then I was like, oh, the last 10 minutes. And then again, it's like that speech is so effective that I didn't really care that it took forever in that. Yeah, I had that mindset at the beginning. I, I I mostly just wanted to bring it up because I was like, oh, that really like that spoils the movie. That ruins what the movie actually is, and it's not. So, um, yeah, I think this is one of the few. But cases... also, I am curious. Like, I am curious if this movie was the inspiration for Life of Brian. Oh God, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, but that would be hilarious if it was. But yeah, I would definitely say it's. This is definitely one of those movies. Like a good example of it is Citizen Kane. I knew the twist going into it. And I feel like knowing the twist going into that movie brought it down for me. Because I can still see why people call it a goat. I just don't see it in the same light. Neither but this we. one, like, yeah, I already knew the big twist going in. But it still managed to stick the landing in just such a way that I just could not adore it for what it was. Um, I wanted to note the music. I think the music is really great in this movie. Um, specifically, the scene with the balloon globe was the one that I wanted oh, that to was note. That was a great scene. And if it wasn't for the speech at the end, that scene probably would be the most iconic scene from the movie, I would say. Uh, maybe the shaving uh, one to the to the musical. Yeah, earlier. I could see that one, too. But I very much more feel like dancing with the balloon scene is a little bit has a bit of an edge on it just because the hilarity and the silliness of it. Sure, that's fair. Uh, I guess I guess one of the things I really the, the last note that I have written down here is one of the things I really appreciate about this movie is just its cleverness. This movie really goes for a show don't tell approach. Um, and we kind of mentioned it earlier with the speech where like how there aren't really subtitles and it's just like nonsensical German. And then 
Um, and then it's, uh, you know, we'll have the narrator fill in some of the gaps. Like we don't, we don't need the narrator too. The only time the narrator, the English narrator translator, whatever actually says stuff. It's, it's almost always for a comedic purpose. Uh, like we, we frequently have these things where it's nonsensical German and throw in a schnitzel here and there. And it's, and it's really funny, but like the, it, we don't necessarily have, um, like, like the movie doesn't necessarily, the movie doesn't really, it takes a show don't tell approach. It trusts its audience to just get like get there and and not not have to hold your hand all the way through it or whatever and i you know i really appreciate it like because there's even that like kind of middle speech where it is hinkle um uh and and like we don't we don't need to hear what hinkle is actually saying you know because we could hear the crowd react and we can hear how many times he's saying the jews and things like that so yeah um, it's still getting the point across without the narrating there at all and even with the narrating there and like he's going on this whole rant about like naming all these other countries and the narrator just goes Hinkle is promising peace for all countries in Europe. And then it's just <laughs> later you find out that, oh, he is reading from a prepared manuscript and he's the official translator for Tomania. It's like, eh, okay, now I kind of see where you're going with that. Sure. And you kind of know what the real world equivalent is where it's just like, yeah, definitely. He's, he's speaking inflammatory nonsense, you know, <laughs> um, that that's just going to create monstrosities <laughs> eventually. Not, I don't mean to laugh about it, but it's just like, that's kind of what he's, what the real world parallel is and um, just the fact that he's such an effective speaker is also kind of ridiculous. I'm out of notes. So whenever you guys are ready, I'm ready to move on. But if there's more to say, then I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good movie. Robert, where does it link? Uh, Well, well, before that, um, is this movie a goat? Uh, I think it's a goat because it has one of the best monologues I've ever seen. Yeah, I would agree. It's the message in the movie being wrapped up concisely in that final speech is what really puts it over the edge for goat. Mm. Yeah, uh, I agree as well. Um, for sure. Uh, out of curiosity about where did this end up in your list, Robert? Uh, at 16 out of, what are we at? 43, 49, 49. at 16. Mm-hmm. And for comparison, Dr. Strangelove is at 19. So I think they're similar movies in a lot of ways. I agree with that. Yeah, I would agree as well. And that would be one heck of a double feature. Yeah, for sure. It's like the farcical, World War II satire comedies from some of the greatest masters of cinema of all time. Oh yeah, uh, I wound no up fighting pretty... in the war room is one of my favorite lines ever. Oh, it's easily one of the greatest lines in all time. I wound up pretty similar to you, Robert. I had to hit twenty, so just a couple behind you. Um, Where'd you have it in comparison Robert... to Strange Love? Just curious. Um, Strange Love was twenty three. Okay, yeah, so about the same oh. difference. Yep, pretty much. Um, yeah, um, yeah, and and like again, like this is. 49 movies at this point so it's not quite halfway down but we're intentionally trying to talk about you know what might be the greatest movies of all time you know um um and then um on the next goats we will talk about thing of comedy um with uh caleb will be be our 50th goat okay let's do the b plot let's try to find some more movies that we can talk about so um, you guys talk about Speaking uh, of movies, we'll talk about. All right. So, yeah, speaking of movies that we'll be talking about coming out soon, um, you guys have access to my movie collection doc, and I thought it would be fun if we can try to make it work to just keep it in theme with the rest of the podcast that we've been doing so far, which is crossing off movies that uh, are on my watch list um, that I own specifically. Um, so, uh, movies that are highlighted um, in blue, I've never seen before. Movies that are highlighted in, in 
Pink are movies that I have seen before, but it really has been a while. Um, and or it's just one of those like I really need to give it another shot. Like I know like I have the thing highlighted in pink because it's just like I really need to give that movie another watch and more fair viewing. Um, obviously, we're not going to talk about the thing again on this podcast. So um, I mean, maybe at some point down the line, but I wouldn't use another Goats Week to do it. So anyway, um, uh, I perused. I found some examples of some things. I think in general, I want to try to avoid things that have already been in polls. Um, I'm not opposed to them coming back at some point, but I just think we have a lot of options right now. Um, let's try to avoid something that's been in a poll already. Let's try to remember the GOAT rules. These are movies that might be considered the greatest of all time, um, even if it is for a specific category or specific performance or something like that. Um, uh, and um, has to has to have been released before either of us were born, so 1994 or earlier. Um, so um, let's do maybe like two or three at a time we can each kind of give a little bit and if it's on the list then you just like cross it off um robert i'm really curious uh, what are some of the ones that you have pulled first i pulled out 19 of these um okay i have uh one two four five six seven eight nine ten thirteen also 19 all right so i'd be interested to start with double indemnity i don't know if that's one we had on the list before or on the i believe we had it and it lost up to the apartment okay well, that's a good one to start to knock off them because that's what I know I wanted to watch. Um, so you don't mind me chiming in. I had way more than just like 19, but I narrowed it down to a few. One of the ones that I didn't have included was Double Indemnity. So, well, that's the other I mean, thing is like that I had I it had, on my long list, just not my short list. But right. I had a longer list, um, but I tried to cut out ones that I had seen that we had both seen. So these are all, all the ones that I have are ones that I've seen or and you haven't, or that neither of us have seen. Okay. Um, so in that case, I think we also had Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, right? Um, I mean, I've never seen. But like we had it on a on a poll before, I think. I want to say we did. I can't remember what it would have been with. Um, How many it, are we trying to come up with? Five? We need five brackets because uh, we five decided um, last time we were doing this, um, or like I think after we decided that we really, that you really want to get the before trilogy in here. And I know that technically the second and third film wouldn't qualify, but if we're going to watch one, let's just get the whole trilogy done right away. So so locked into one of the weeks for sure, we will cover all three of the before films. Um, so that is going to count. I know two of those don't technically count according to the parameters, but if if we're going to watch one, I'm going to want to watch this, the other ones. And so I got to get in the schedule and we can talk about it. So we'll do the before trilogy as one of our for sure. That means we need five brackets of uh, two films each. Well, do you want to start with like silly comedies um because i have clue and monty python's meaning of life uh meaning of life is the one monty python feature i haven't seen but i have seen clue while a long time ago Mm -hmm. so uh let's see any comedies that i had on here um i was about to say on my list i I didn't didn't. list something i list any comedies however i do think that would be a pretty good pairing to do meaning of life i blanked on the other one but there's a pairing clue yeah. Clue, yeah. I mean, is is Clue well received enough to kind of fall into this category? I think so. Okay. I, I mean, I, hear lots of I would there. say it's got more of a cult following than it did an initial following, but I would still say it's probably still worth bringing into the discussion. Three point eight on Letterboxd. Everyone but one person that I follow on Letterboxd has three and a half or higher stars. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as far as movies that like could be considered a comedy that I had written down um, in, in addition or in these um, would that could kind of qualify would be 
I had um, The Wizard of Oz and Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I think, didn't we just have Rocky Horror Picture Show? I think we had Rocky Horror on one of them. On the, like in a bracket? Yeah. Um, Wizard of Oz is an interesting one. That's one I have not seen since I was a little kid. Neither have I. Um, I think I like having a third person here because my instinct is to just say, Joseph, choose two out of those three and we'll make that (laughs) one of the matchups. Yeah, I, I think that's a good instinct to have. Um, yeah. So yeah, then we have a kind of a comedy, but unless unless Joseph has, has other potential ones that could fit in the comedy realm, that would be goat territory. Caddyshack might work potentially, but at the same time, I don't know if it would work in the same vein as Clue and Monty Python. It doesn't necessarily think... have to be in the same vein, just in the same yeah. genre. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've seen Caddyshack once. I really liked it. Um, that's Never a, seen that's Caddyshack. A really interesting one, um, and it, and it's different than films we talked about because because a lot of times we talk about these films that are you know artsy and whatnot and so like yeah so that would probably be more in like a comedy goat conversation than like an overall goat yeah which which is fair like we we can absolutely do that there's no i don't have any like hesitations about that um so joseph want to pick two of those four uh if if you're good with that list aaron um yeah i mean sure so So i don't know monty python's meaning of life wizard of oz and uh um what a weird uh uh, and caddyshack Caddyshack. pick pick two of the four let's go with caddyshack and life of brian nope it's meaning of meaning of life meaning of life meaning of life my bad i don't know why i said life of brian monty python movies with the name life in it yeah right that has to be it this is great i've seen both of these movies before but it's been i think i saw caddyshack once in college and monty python's um meaning of life once in high school and i remember been pretty underwhelmed with that but i've been really excited about it. i don't Very think nice. i've seen either of them actually so i guess i need to cross those off my list there we go um let's see uh, joseph why don't you rattle off a couple that you had listed yeah go for just, it just in general well i not so much in general but a pairing that might work in the vein of maybe a war movie against a war movie uh the bridge on the river kwai and lawrence of arabia might be a pretty good pairing so i did think about that um two things though robert really doesn't like had... war movies well, th- those would be different. I would. I'm interested in those. I'm. I'm okay. kind of bored of like new war movies, even though I'm being hypocritical when I talked about that with Come and See. Um, sure. But my only thing we we've definitely had one of those on a poll before. Um, I think it was Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. And if I recall, I think that one even won, and we changed it because we weren't going to have the time to get around to it because mm. it was going to be like three hours. It's a four. It's a four hour long movie. And I think even Bridge on the River Kwai is also like really long. So like I'm not really comfortable in my personal schedule to pick a movie that's going to be longer than two and a half hours. Yeah, uh, no, I can definitely understand that. So I, I I would like to get I would certainly love to get around to Lawrence Arabia at some point right now. But with with doing this every week and most weeks, it's two films um, mm-hmm. except for these mm-hmm. goats ones. It's the goats ones are kind of yeah, a nice, that's a hard thing to kind of squeeze into the schedule. It is. So I think at this current stage with my current schedule, I'm not super comfortable with putting a, especially if we're already going to have the before trilogy be one of them. I mean, I know they're both, yeah, they're all relatively short time. movies, but that's going to be three movies. Go watch okay. the before trilogy in its entirety in one Lawrence of Arabia sitting. So yeah, um, <laughs> true. Not quite. So uh, but yeah, I did list a couple other movies. Uh, yeah. Just throw a few out. I, I made sure to highlight some of the ones I, uh, that some of these are actually ones I've actually seen surprisingly enough, knowing my, Pension for the list of shame. Uh, at some point, I want you guys to cover A Night to Remember. I'll tell you that right now. I very much want you guys to look at that, because 1997's Titanic is often the quintessential Titanic movie, but I personally feel like more people should see A Night to Remember. Okay, It's an older movie, but it's 
it's all it's higher ranked higher than 97's Titanic on Rotten Tomatoes actually, which I think might be an interesting thing to kind of discuss. So it's uh, just a Titanic movie. I don't really know much about that one. Yeah, uh, 1958, if I remember right. So true story. Yeah. Say like make that kind of category because based on real events. I, I would yeah. I would like to get some more things thrown up there before we yeah, start yeah. categorizing some things. Well, I yeah. was gonna say I have Born on the Fourth of July on there. Okay. Um, which would be a perfect july episode um, yeah <laughs> or the elephant man yeah Doesn't i have also the elephant had man the elephant man list. okay all right so so elephant man we all had elephant man written down i've never yeah. seen a david yeah. lynch movie so i've seen mahalan drive but i've been wa- i'm my plan is to like very soon even before this conversation was to like get into david lynch movies. those are all the true stories that i I don't know really which of these are true or not. Um, I mean, obviously, I know some of them. I have all the presidents men listed. Uh, oh, once that's 10, another one I have listed, years ago yeah. or so that I don't remember a thing about all except right, that could, I liked it. Yeah, you um, can put it on there. I've seen. Though I'd prefer yeah, to stay. That was on from, my list too. Yeah, that we've both seen. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Even I mean, it's, it's one like of those I could yet. not tell you a thing about the movie though. So yeah. that's like that's kind of where I'm willing to throw it in the conversation. Like, and even though like I'm not gonna throw in something like I know I have a couple of the Godfather films highlighted because mm-hmm. I saw I saw them once six years ago, um, and then I saw the first one again recently. But it's like we don't we don't need to do that. All the President's um, Men I think is a sequel to Steven Spielberg's The Post. I think so. Uh, from I think so. an unintended sequel, I would say, mm-hmm. but yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean the uh, another again I don't know if it's actually based off of real life and I, this one might have been have been in a poll already but I have life is beautiful down. That's um, I think we had that on a poll. I think and we is not would, a true story. I would say it's inspired by true events, but it's not. Well, yeah, it's, really it's, a true either way, story. if it's already fiction, poll will pass over yeah. it for now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many of these are actual true stories. So um, yeah, I I mean I know Good Morning Vietnam is based on a true story, but if we're going more for before. You guys were born. Yeah. When did that come out? I think 97 or so. I've seen 87. Really? All right. I've never seen it. We could do that. I've been. Yeah, that would be a good one. So is that four? Um, Fourth of July, Elephant Man, President's Men. A Night to Remember. Is Elephant real? Like basically. That would be five actually. Yeah. Elephant Man's a a real guy, right? Yeah. Real guy. Um, I'm going to make an executive decision since we all three had Elephant Man written down. That's going to be one of the two choices. So, <laughs> born on the 4th of July, Night to Remember, Good Morning Vietnam. Um, I think I know which one Joseph would pick. Yes, um, <laughs> you do. <laughs> Robert, are you good with that? A Night to Remember? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Okay. I mean, April is the anniversary, like this month of Titanic. Yeah. So, I mean, if we wanted to try to save it for potentially April next year, but that's a whole year away. Um, I could be doing anything in a year. That's true. I, I do almost want to feel like I should make an executive call that when you guys do cover that one, I should be on. Won't allow that. You're certainly allowed to request it, and I can certainly <laughs> try. But That's uh, fair. But that's also assuming Elephant Man doesn't win out. That is also true. Um, I would like to throw one out there. Um, I've seen a lot of love for this one in the BEC, and I really want to get around to it. So mem- if memory serves, maybe this one was a pairing. Um, and if so, I'm welcome. I'm happy to throw out another one that is in the same vein. But did we have bicycle thieves thrown in a poll at one point? Maybe, but I don't remember. I really That's think we on did. My HBO right now, or I should yeah. start saying on my Max watch list. It just—I mean—that one is always in like the top half of our BEC. So like that, like it's got really good clout, and it's one and of those it's that an I hour twenty-two. Know. Is it? I was gonna say I think we've already had it on there. So if there's a if we're not, if we're not cool with that i'd love to also do i know tokyo story has made our bec quite a bit recently and 
it's consistently like a numbered it's never an honorable mention um those were two that i'm like i'd really like to see if we could throw in one of those into the pool yeah and i mean i looked up bicycle thieves it's an italian film and if we wanted to kind of lean possibly into a category that's foreign language international yeah or international yeah i I mentioned it earlier but uh i may have been before the podcast but battle for algiers Mm -hmm. would be a pretty good one to have in there as well that's one i'm probably gonna watch pretty soon for some reason i think i just missed any international movies when i was looking through so i'm good with those three picking two out of those three unless you guys have Um, one or more to add i also have ron and rashomon uh i've seen rashomon very recently so i wouldn't really want to do that but besides that yeah um so then i have so if you have battle for algiers and i have bicycle thieves and then we have uh um tokyo story and ran that'd be kind of the four um all right go for it joseph what do we got pick pick two of the four i'm looking up tokyo story right now to my own curiosity was ran the kurosawa shakespeare adaptation i believe so yeah i'm interested in that we've done a few kurosawa though it is uh, yeah, we did but runtime yeah i might put ran as or ron however it's actually supposed to be pronounced i think i just I said put, ron out of a weird yeah. flub uh but I feel like that one should be put in a different pairing almost compared to Balfour Algiers. I agree with Let me that. Double check. Yeah. Let me double check that real quick. Because um, I'm thinking like when they were released as well. Give me a second as I Google. How many more pairings do we need? That's two this full one? pairings. This will be three. So we would need two more after this. And I'm not even I'm not, I'm not even saying once we get five, that's the five. You know, we can. You can always change it up. Yeah, I, we can I'm see. Is, say, there, is there anything else on our list that we really want to get around to? Or? Yeah, I'm going to say. Uh, we could pair. Uh, let's pair Battle of Algiers with Tokyo Store. They came out relatively similar time frame, and that's kind of what I'm just going to go with on that on my mind. I just want to make sure, Robert, is Battle of Algiers a movie that you would actually be interested in? Okay, and any of these I'd be interested in. Okay, I just I just don't want to be like. I, yeah, if there's a hard, anything. yeah, there's an obvious hard no. Then the, yeah, I understand. The that. only thing that the, the I don't know anything about the movie. All I know is I've seen a few people that have seen it, and they've all given it five stars. Uh, Rowan and Shane recently talked about it on Rowan in the Wasteland, plugging our friends' podcast. Whoop whoop! All right, so Tokyo Story, Battle for Algiers. Okay. If we want to go with silent movies again, I've got Modern Times, Gold Rush, City Lights, all on the list. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder about staying away from a chaplain since we just did that. True. Um, that's another good. Obviously, thing. would love to revisit them, but maybe if that's more of like a every other schedule kind of thing. The yeah. general, um, maybe yeah. at least with chaplain. Maybe if we're gonna do a chaplain movie, have it as a possibility once a year as opposed to twice a year. Yeah. The general right. would be an interesting one, though. It was on. A we it was one already on the, the Sherlock Junior one. Oh, we lost it. Okay. It was also on the one with the kid, I believe. Or no, there were plans to do both of them, but we just kicked one of them off. It was, uh, no, I think it was, we had kid or maybe another chaplain or maybe that was, anyway, it was Sherlock Jr. And the general and Sherlock Jr. Yeah. It out, so, well, does anyone have anything sci-fi? Cause I have invasion of the body snatchers on here. On my long um, list, I had close encounters of the third kind. You do close encounters. Um, close encounters was on just on our nerd culture one. And that one lost out to Dawn of the dead. Um, yeah. so like, it's a different poll. Um, <laughs> Um, let me see here. I don't know if this qualifies as sci-fi. No, not quite. Um, I have the original Frankenstein, 1931. Um, okay. that would be a sci-fi. Original uh, Godzilla. Have you ever seen that? That's been on my HBO for a long time. I have not. I don't that. own it, but like, I'm kind of surprised that I don't. Is it bad that I almost want to pair the original Frankenstein with the young Frankenstein? 
it's not two bad. drastically different movies, but yeah. I've also seen Young Frankenstein. I'm sure Robert has. I haven't seen Young Frankenstein. Thanks for exposing me. Um, so what were we landing at? That was the sci-fi ones. Frank, uh, we had Frankenstein. Somebody mentioned Close Encounters. Um, the original Godzilla. And there's one other one mentioned, right? Oh, Invasion, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, oh, I also have the original War, War of the Worlds on there. Duh. The original War of the Worlds? Mm-hmm. The 1953. Yeah. Um, is that supposed to be good? Um, it is... I mean, it's the first movie adaptation, 89 Rotten Tomatoes, 7 IMDb. Um, sure, we can put it on there. Yeah. yeah. Have Joseph choose from whatever you just listed off. It's like five five choices for you. Just because of uh, the intrigue I would have, just because there could be some discussion between the original film adaptation of The War of the Worlds and the more recent one. War the War of the Worlds, I feel like, should be one on there. Okay. I've not seen the original, but or the, the remake. I've never seen either of yeah. them, but pretty decent chance. I've seen the remake. If I see this one, I'll also check out the Spielberg one. Yeah, I've seen the remake. I've not seen the original adaptation. And okay. let's say Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Both Invasion movies. Yeah, this kind of fits. Um, let me just read off the last ones that I have on here. Do it. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Awakenings, Born of the Fourth of July. I already mentioned that. Uh, Color of Money, Crimson Tide, Taxi Driver. Because we talked about that earlier, I threw that on here. Uh, Dazed and Confused and The Deer Hunter. Though we could take The Deer Hunter off because that's about three hours. Yeah, Yeah, it's Um, kind of a long movie. It's worth discussing, I would say, but I get the time limit being an issue. Um, I had Taxi Driver on my list, but I kind of crossed it off because if if we were going for movies that I know that you've seen that I have seen in the past as well, even though it's been, I was in high school when I saw it. Um, so like I, I went ahead and crossed that one off. I think that was the only one that I also had listed um, that of the ones you mentioned. Well, Days and Confused and Fast Times are similar vibes, you know, yeah. like yeah. high school, you know, coming of age, comedy, dramedy things. I'm just trying to think like, I don't know that I'm really passionate about any of the other ones that I have on here. Um, you have because we have one more matchup right or two uh this we have one more that we haven't started um but if we wanted to go with something but yeah we have we have so far we have caddyshack a meaning of life elephant man and a night to remember um tokyo story battle for algiers war of the worlds invasion of the body snatchers um and uh and then we have uh the the before week so that would be five match five um and so next one. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing is I was looking at maybe like a noir one. Um, I know you already mentioned Double Indemnity, but like um, Orson Welles is the third man and Chinatown I both had listed. I have I them both listed Chinatown as well. Before. At, did we have Chinatown before? Yeah. That's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, I was like, third that's the man only I have one. on my list. I also had listed uh, Cool Hand Luke, Do the Right Thing, Reservoir Dogs. Um, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? And unforgiven once in high school before I liked Tarantino. Okay. Um, well, because I, I think I, th- I think the first Tarantino I saw was Inglorious Bastards, and I didn't like it when I saw it. And then I watched Django. I'm like, it's fine. And then I watched Reservoir Dogs. I'm like, it's fine. And then I watched Inglorious Bastards again. I'm like, this is great. And then I watched Pulp Fiction. I'm like, he's so good. <laughs> well, I'd still like to stay away from ones that we've both seen, even if okay. even if That's it's okay. high school. So let's throw a third man on there. Well, especially because like I'm not gonna limit if somebody like I'm not gonna limit doing Reservoir Dogs for just a re- regular week. Yeah, you know. Um, uh, I had on my long list Saboteur as well. I don't know if that would fall in the noir category, but uh, would it? Uh, oh, I see that's one a Hitchcock collection. I was like, one, yeah. I was like, I don't know owning that one. It's part of the Hitchcock collection that I own. Spy I know I saw it on film. your list. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, it's just it. I don't have a a, a, a spine that says saboteur. Um, yeah, I have a fair. box that's the Alfred Hitchcock collection that it happens. Uh, I mean, that would count, um, right? I mean, that would be a pretty decent pairing. I, I just don't know. Do we have more than two? For you know, Noir, my in. list I got. <laughs> for What'd Noir. Could throw a clue in for Noir. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, did you have anything, Robert? I didn't get a chance to write down all the stuff that you had written down. Anything that would kind of fit that? Not for Noir, no. Um, I'm looking through what I've gotten down here as well. The man who knew too much. I need to double check that one if it would count. If that's in a Hitchcock, then there's a very good chance that it is. I think it is a Hitchcock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did we have that paired? I think we had that paired with um, when we did uh, what was that? Shadow of a Doubt. I think those two were paired together in a poll. If you want to go, I don't know if you had any other Tom Cruise movies, but I have Fourth of July, Born on Fourth of July, and Color of Money. Um, I just think it would be cool to do Born on the Fourth of July for July. Plus, well, let's I'm, find some. Gonna Let's watch, find like, something to pair with that then. And we can say if it wins, then we'll do it for July. If if, if it doesn't, then we'll do something. So let's find something to pair with that. What, I don't I really don't don't know hardly anything about that movies. Um, so I just know uh, Tom Cruise got nominated for it. Um, and it's like when he was still trying to be a serious actor. Okay. Um, two hours and 24 minutes. Oliver Stone film. Um, yep. uh, anti-war because it's Oliver Stone. Um, oh, should we, did we have it in the war one earlier? We did not. But we didn't do a war one earlier. We didn't really do a war one. Oh, we did no. a true story one. Yeah, uh, it was the Tokyo story and Battle of Algiers was the was where that came in, which because it was international. Uh, Mid nineteen sixties suburban New York uh, Marines Vietnam. I'm just trying to think of like keywords that we could if you had something else that was associated. Well, uh, yeah, not really. I already mentioned Good Morning Vietnam, but I feel like that's a movie that's nowhere near the same thing as Born on the Fourth of July. War. <laughs> US. War, and that's about but, the only thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's close Because I feel like one of them is more serious, and one is Bro. clearly a comedy. I mean, so Good Morning Vietnam of July, is still uh, a drama. It's It's got some good moments to it. Yeah. Born on the 4th of July, uh, Good Morning Vietnam could throw Crimson Tide in there. Because it didn't, uh, unless that's 95, which is the year you were born. So, yeah, I think it's close enough. Uh, what about Platoon? Platoon is another one that would fit if it was released at the right time. Um, it came out in the eighties. I've have seen it. You, okay, I have seen it. I've okay. seen it uh, several times in All high right, school. Good. Yeah, let's not. Okay. It's just been since high school. Um, but I was gonna say we could throw in "Born on the Fourth of July" and "Platoon" together because those are both Oliver Stone. Um, yeah. All right. Either way, "Born on the Fourth of July" and um, I think we should start wrapping this up. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Uh, let's go with "Good Morning Vietnam." Okay. And whichever the winner, that is for sure the July. Yeah. Guess we okay. used to watch either of them actually. There is our matchups listed. Um, so they they will go live on Twitter on Thursday, and I'll run them for three full days. Um, so they'll end three twenty thirty six hours after they don't no, not thirty six hours. That's wrong. Seventy two hours um, after they go live. Um, Can you still and, do polls? Like genuine yes. question wasn't? Oh, that, that's a good I mean, question. Actually, yeah, because I think you have to have Twitter blue to polls. I don't know if you rescinded that or not, but. As as of like, oh, you did it the other day, didn't you? Yeah, um, I don't have Twitter blue, and I'm still allowed to do them. Apparently, right, yeah, me too. Uh, I am curious though. Like, I, uh, I I did I did notice I because I thought about doing it the other day. I can't um, I can't do Twitter polls like and schedule multiple. I can't. You can't schedule a poll. I think that's dumb. That's why it was late last time. So I will put them up sometime Thursday, and I will run the poll for three full days, and then that'll be it. Um, uh, and so it'll, it'll end on 
Sunday. Um, so you guys have that time to vote, and then Robert Final and I will discuss when they're happening. Does anyone know the contact information for Dominion so I can uh, skew the votes? <laughs> oh, God. I think you just tweet Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, I think so. Anyway, um, that'll do it. I'll have those up on the Twitter poll. So we'll have, um, for July, we'll have Born on the Fourth of July, Good Morning Vietnam. And then for other months that we'll decide later, um, World of the Worlds 53, and then Invasion of Body Snatchers. Um, I would want to specify, we'll clarify which version that is. The original, like the first one. Whichever one you have on your list. Um, Yeah, the 1950s one is the one we're going for for that. Yeah. Um, Not the Tom Cruise one. That one's too soon. Yeah, the the Sutherland one, right? It's Donald Sutherland? The Tom Cruise is World of the Worlds. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Um, and then the Tokyo Story and Battle for Algiers, Elephant Man and the Night to Remember, and then Caddyshack and Meaning of Life. Um, that will be who's there. So real quick, um, time for the spinoff. What's that one thing in any, any area of pop culture that you guys would like to say, check out or stay away from? Joseph, let's start with you. Well, I'm going to go with the Twitch channel that I really like. Uh, if you're a fan of a certain nitpicky movie YouTube channel, you've probably heard of them before. Uh, but they're a channel called Moco Made. Uh, they're about three years old now, I believe. They do a lot of, like, leather work, crafting, and stuff like that. For example, like, right here, I got a dice bag that they made, which I got. It was really cool. Uh, re- they recently just had a their second partner party because they got partnered on Twitch last year, and it's just a great community to be in because they're supportive of other Twitch channels that they are partnered with. Like, for their party, they had a lot of Twitch channels that were doing arts and crafts stuff to just provide things that they were willing to give away to just drive business to these other channels, to their websites and stuff like that. And it's just a community that I just want to see keep getting built up more and more as much as I can. So I would definitely say uh, Moko Made on Twitch is a big channel I'd like people to go to. All right. Robert, what about you? Um, I was going through and watching some Joaquin Phoenix movies I'd never seen uh, ahead of Bo is Afraid. Um, and I watched To Die For, which is a 95 movie starring Nicole Kidman. Um, and it is very good. It's a Gus Van Sant movie. Um, and I called it a mix between Gone Girl and Sunset Boulevard. Um, it's about okay. uh, Nicole Kidman's um, ambitions to become like famous and recognized and all that kind of stuff as a newscaster. Uh, there's a murder plot in there. There's Joaquin playing a creepy teenager. Nicole Kidman is unsurprisingly great. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting, cool stuff in there. So to die for, good move. I remember seeing that on the list and then putting the graphics together, and I'm like, all right, this looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. So I think it's like on Tubi too. So free with ads. There you go. Um, I the only really like thing I've seen is Evil Dead Rises. Um, so I'll just kind of reserve my thoughts for that. Um, over at Patreon, but um, I will mention. Um, I will mention this. Um. I have been into my my love for baseball um, has kind of come and gone. And my love for baseball always co- coincides with my love for baseball video games. And so when I stopped playing baseball video games, I really stopped caring about baseball all that much. Um, and just there have been the last three games since they've been available on Xbox now have all been home runs of the MLB, the show series. And the show 23 is finally out and it's available with Game Pass for free. We have Xbox. Um, and it's awesome. It's great. If you if you were going to play it, you were already going to play it. If you weren't, you, you weren't. But I love wasting hours of my time playing the show 23. Um, it's just it's it's the best sports series out there by far. So why not? I'll mention that. How does it measure um, up to MVP Baseball 2005? It doesn't. Nothing does. It, I haven't played it, but I know that it doesn't measure up. 
MVP baseball was great and Slugfest 06. And I, I personally think MLB 06, the show, is the goaded. Um, th- that was the first of the show. That one's David Ortiz on the cover. That one hits me right in the nostalgia. No, MVP 05. Joseph's right. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't MVP like the pitching. Baseball, I didn't like the pitching mechanisms. At MVP. That's fair, but MVP like baseball also has. It also has a soundtrack that is far better than it has mm-hmm. any right to be. All those mid two thousands MLB games did. They really did, um, yeah. And the new soundtracks are the only bad things about the the new MLB oh. show. They're, <laughs> oh, they're, no. they're 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 just fine, um, but they've kind of gotten away from the punk and they've moved more towards like hip hop and. But I mean, that's not why we buy a baseball game. We buy a baseball game to play baseball. That's true. Right. That's true. Uh, anyway uh that's a wrap so remember you can follow robert and joseph at the places they said at the top of the show i will have their uh twitter's linked in the episode description um you can also follow me on twitter letterboxd at schweik castle and a quick reminder that Sip pop writers removes part of the studio dna network you can check out other great shows at studio dna.media and if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com you want to get in contact with the show maybe send us a question to explore it in the b plot email writers room at sifpop.com and please don't forget to leave us a review on itunes or spotify if you're listening on one of those platforms next week alice and adam will join me to talk about two very similar movies 1984 <laughs> and bringing up baby the australian um, a's yeah. the australian a's and the other a um talking about 1984 and bringing up baby really excited uh, to do that with them um in two weeks joe will be joining me we're going to talk about two batman animated films we'll do gotham night in year one uh and then in a month robert will be joining me again along with caleb to talk about the king of comedy uh the og joker movie um i have that for this taxi one. driver that and taxi driver have you seen yeah, king of well, comedy i'm not nope just get ready but to I hear have the seen word joker so i have yeah You've seen right. the worst person. Just get ready yeah. to hear the word Jerry over and over and over and over. Okay, cool. Uh, will do. Uh, I'll forget that in 10 seconds. So, And then you'll remember it as soon as you hear it in the movie. You'll be like, wait, Robert said Robert said that. Oh, God. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. Appreciate your time. Thanks for helping us get this goat sorted. And uh, I do have to get back to the writer's room, though. Just yep. saying. <laughs>